in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the walk-off, everybody. This is Long Toss, episode 216. I am your host, Scott Belford. Normally, Adam Mack is running this thing. He's out at a softball tournament right now, and so this is why it is pre-recorded. However, we figured we'd get this done with such positivity coming our way for the weekend here that uh, we should probably do our regular roundtable. We've got a heck of a, a panel here today. We're going to start with introductions. Uh, very excited to be joined once again, and it's been a while, buddy. Enemy of the show, official enemy of the show, Trevor <laughs> Freeman. Welcome back, buddy. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, you look ready to talk some baseball. You got your, am, your yeah. shiny new hat on. <laughs> no, that's not new. That's just taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's been... A hot minute since we've had uh, a gentleman who visited us quite often last year, but hasn't had a chance. Pat McDonald, comedian out of Toronto. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Thank you, man. Yeah, I know we've been trying to trying to line this up for a little while. I've I've been quite busy, to say the least. Um, but you you almost have like a Terminator vibe because it looks like you have like a ring light, and it's almost on your left eye, like you have superpowers or something. So I'm really, excited the glasses is what. It, the glasses is what's screwing me over here, Pat. And I tried so hard beforehand trying to place the light where this wouldn't happen. And I was like, you know what? No one's going to notice. No one's going to mention it in the first 30 seconds. That's for sure. Of course sure. not. Who who no. would do such a thing? No. Also, one of our mainstays, he's here quite regularly. Joel, welcome back, buddy. How's your weekend been? Oh, it's crazy busy, but, uh, you know, take two out of three. So coming in hot, coming in happy. So more I say four runs. Yeah, more than four <laughs> runs. What? Offensive explosion is nice to see. <laughs> now, I saved the last two introductions for last because we're actually all going to meet in person in less than a month now. And it's pretty darn exciting. So we're running a live show called Baseball Town. It's a long toss and it's going to be at the Comedy Bar on Danforth in Toronto. Tickets are on sale right now, but pretty pumped to finally meet you two in person, because I feel like I, I know you intimately at this point, you've been coming on the show here for well over years. We can put pluralize that here. Um, we've also got, by the way, I'm, I'm going to tease the rest of the show, but we've got some great panelists that are going to be there live. Uh, Blake uh, Murphy from Jay's talk plus is going to come down. So that's very exciting. Julia Cruz is going to be there as well as fingers crossed. As long as he on the team, Jay Jackson. Now we also, I've, I've got a, a couple guys who are on the team right now who have been on the show as well. So if Jay can't make it, maybe we'll try and pull some strings. We'll see what we can do. But anyways, that's a long way to get to saying hello, Jen. Welcome back. <laughs> Good to be here. Good to be here. I'm, I don't, you guys can't really see, but I'm sporting this bad boy uh, sent, sent to me by friend of the show, Garth Orgy. Yes. From, uh, from his uh, No Hope Vintage Shop. So I thought I'd give him a shout out for sending this my way. Love it. Garth is always uh, sending us cards and stuff too. He's just uh, about as cool as they come. And finally, Craig Ballard of Locked on Blue Jays. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you so much. Always great to be on the walk-off. 
Um, I'm very glad Jen will be at Baseball Town because that will give you a pleasure to meet somebody. I will be, I'm very, <laughs> I'm extremely lackluster in person, extremely lackluster. So that's not going to be much there, but Baseball Jen will be in the house. So that's, that's worth the price of admission right there. You save all the excitement for your content. And you know what? Your fans appreciate that, Craig. <laughs> hey, both Scott. Of them, both, both of them do. Both my fans do appreciate that. You're exactly right. Yes. My mom and my dad. You're exactly correct. Yes. Okay. It's Pat, you've got a smart ass comment, Tad. No, no smart ass comment is just a tie in between your podcast and comedy bar Danforth because um, a friend of mine showed up to a show of mine about three or four months ago. And it was Jeff Fry. I don't hey! know if blurred out, but he he came by a show and signed a picture and was cool and a good audience member. When is that thing at Comedy Bar Danforth? I may swing by. It is going to be September 10th. It is a Sunday night, 6 to 8 okay. Eastern. So, you know, you're going to be able to get the Jays game in, get some food in you, and come down and uh, catch a live panel. It should be fun. Three Sundays from today. Three Sundays from today. That's right. Okay, so let's get into it. That was a, a very long intro here. Thanks for sticking with us, everybody. We do normally go live on YouTube, so uh, we'll be back at that next week here. Two out of three in Cincinnati. The Blue Jays have gone 10 and 8 in the month of August. Bo Bichette is back, and thank goodness. I mean, a little thing about Bo here. This was a kind of cool stat. So the most hits in his first 500 games with the Blue Jays, Obviously, Bo Bichette and that number 623 in his first 500 plate appearances. Pretty darn impressive. And it's very understandable as to why this lineup missed Bo Bichette. Hinjin Ryu, I mean, what a day today. He continues to exceed expectations. Five innings pitched, four hits, zero earned runs, one walk, seven Ks. And he made Ellie Dela Cruz look just silly. On a curveball there, 67 miles an hour. Just buckle them at the knees. You love to see that. Let's start with you, Trev. Where are you at on this Blue Jays team? I know it's been a while since we've seen some offense out of them. I'm sick of the up and down. That That's about it, right? Like, you know, and I mean, I think they have the most one-run games in the league. But like, I think that stats fan. <laughs> Matter of factual, at least, but uh, you know that that Friday night loss was heartbreaking. Just because, like, I'm here to tell you that I was pumped to see Hicks, and I'm pumped to see him pump fastballs in there. Why get beat on a on your second pitch, right? Like to especially late in the game like that and that sort of thing, but. Like that's a, that's the microcosm of the season, isn't it? <laughs> you know, really, like it's just like that. Was it this year that he gave up the Romano or last year they gave up the walk off to Judge, and it was just like, like slide, 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 or slide, or slide, or hey, mix in that hundred mile an hour fastball, <laughs> something like just do something else, but you know, like. I mean, compared to at the all-star break there where, you know, nobody knew that they had the top record in the last 60 games or whatever, Yeah, you know, like they were 30 and 20 or whatever, which led the MLB. Like it's hard to, it's hard to imagine that they were in a playoff spot for a while. Cause they were just, you'd watch them win six games 
and be like, here we go, we're rolling. And then they dump six games. (laughs) I was I was saying this. I was saying this to my buddy the other day. I'm like, I don't think I've ever watched uh, a worse good team. Like they just never make me feel warm and fuzzy. Comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's so funny because I was so excited about today's game. Like it's the first time we've seen the long ball in so long. And I'm texting my my Mariners buddies, you know, that uh, I'm like, we're still right there. And they're like, yeah, but it's going to just you, one game. Yeah. You can't hang your hat on one game. Craig, I mean, the the lack of power has been pretty apparent. Does today give you any hope? Bo coming back, some guys swinging the bat well as we go into September? The only thing that would give me hope there is there were some opposite field shots. That's the only thing that would give me hope. My hope meter is as low as it's ever been. The the, the best team that is awful. That is the 2023 Blue Jays. They're the best team I've ever seen that is just awful. I hate them so much. I I hate I mean, you guys know I don't, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Everybody here knows exactly what I mean. And uh, a tough gig, ladies and gentlemen, you take two out of three against a playoff at playoff Cincinnati. You lose ground to Seattle. You lose ground to Baltimore. You lose ground to Boston. This is a tough gig. This is a tough gig. This uh, this third wild card spot. Only one behind be... Houston now. <laughs> yeah, and and Houston. Oh my God, I can't even believe what is happening. I, I just cannot even believe what is happening with this. Anyway, that's probably for a different uh, topic. But no, my hope meter is so 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 low on this Blue Jay team. I just the all of us now. The only one I wish it on is Jen. Don't have this happen to Jen, but the rest of you are going to be looking very similar to me by season's end. By season, you're all going to be looking similar to me. Now, bold is beautiful, but it's not this way, not this way, right? So, no, I, I, I hate to be a bit of a bummer here, but I am way down on the Toronto. Came into this season certain that this was a World Series contender, not a playoff contender. Certain this was a World Series contender. Now, right here, right now. Would I even put any of my own money up that they'll make the playoffs? And and I didn't think missing the playoffs was on. I didn't think there was anything that could happen where missing the playoffs was on the table for the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. If the playoffs started right now, they're they're on the outside looking in. And, yeah. and by the way, just, just real quick here, I will shout out the Blue Jays because they clearly are on point when it comes to the long toss. Because today was the sixth time, nine times this season, the Blue Jays have scored double double digits six of them have come on sunday including the last three in a row so the blue jays players are understanding hey if i want scott if i want adam if i want baseball jen (laughs) come hey if if, if i want to be you know looked upon favorably here i better fed a ton sean today so the sunday blue jays have been on point it's they know our recency bias they know how much we love our recency bias here on the (laughs) walk-off Look, yeah. look at last week. They get 13 on Sunday against the uh, the Red Sox. Then they play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And total 13 over those next six games. I mean, my goodness, the inconsistency is driving me nuts. And you would think on paper, a team that can pitch and play defense is going to be heard from, is going to be, you know, is going to be have to be dealt with in the playoffs. I just don't see it. I, I'm as low right now on the Blue Jays as as, as I've been in a long time. So they did just take two of three. So we are going to put a little bit of a positive spin on this because there's no way this this Jays team is where they're at without the pitching that they have put on the mound this season. And I mean, it literally has only gotten better and it's good top to bottom starters to the bullpen. It is wild what is going on right now. Jen, when you look at this team and you see performances like Yusei Kikuchi gave us and then followed by Bassett and followed by Ryu, that's like 
there is some positivity to take from this, right? Please, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so to be completely fair, when they lost that game Friday night, I really thought they would drop two out of three over the weekend, if not all three. I was not hopeful whatsoever that they would then, you know, put up runs and take the next two games. Um, And doing it on the backs of great starting pitching is great to see. Like everyone else has expressed thus far, I'm, I said it two weeks ago, this is the least fun I've had watching (laughs) baseball. It, like in a very, very long time, because yeah. even when the team, like if we think back to like, okay, 2013, 2014 or whatever, or 2018, like we knew the team wasn't going to be very good. So fine. You, mm-hmm. you, you could watch because you didn't have expectations of playoffs or whatever you were watching strictly to see how certain players performed or just the enjoyment of the game in, in general. But when you, do have expectations and we all should have the expectations of them being firmly, you know, involved in the playoff race and not on the outside looking in. This has just been such an incredibly frustrating season. And my, my fear with it all is that they are on the brink of wasting such phenomenal pitching performances. That's, that's what I really, you know, finally, finally, they've got the rotation and the bullpen which is what fans have been screaming for <laughs> for se- several seasons now. And they've actually managed to put it together. And it's the offense that's going to let them down. I, I, I don't even know. I don't know what to say about it. Can I ask you guys this? Do you think the breakup of the Barrio has anything to do with that? No. Because that was just high energy. You know, like, I mean, I love Kiermaier. And Varsho is like, he's on the fence for me right now, but like they don't have the same energy. I watch them go through their home run celebrations and those, those kind of things. And I think Vladdy has definitely um, been affected by that as well too. But, you know, it was just energy and fun and they were relaxed and they just did what they did. Right. Like Joel, I know you have an opinion on this. Vladdy has 18 home runs to this point and we were projecting like 50, right? So like, (laughs) you know, did they, did they detract from the team by subtracting those energy type players? I don't think so. I just, and I get what you're saying. Like you look at Tay Oscar and uh, Guriel, like those guys, big energy, Tay Oscar more so than, than Lourdes was a productive hitter for sure. But I'm looking at, at baseball yeah. reference right now and you're right. Like Vladdy. Okay. Like he's supposed to be like one of our spark plugs. We're three quarters of the way through the season. He's the team leader in home runs with 18. That averages out to 24 over a full season. Mm-hmm. And I, I had the same expectations that you just mentioned where it's like, this guy's got to be hitting 35 plus a year. He's not even halfway there yet. We're three quarters through the way se- uh, through the season. It's thank God for Boba. I mean, that's a it's great point. Yeah. That's a great point, Pat, about about the home run total because thirty two last year, and we were all saying that was a, a down, down year. Yeah, he's a down year. Yeah. So what's that make this year? It's like is this the norm? And a lot a lot of people look at two thousand twenty one when I think he hit forty eight. And he was second in MVP voting. And they were like, well, that's kind of the watermark. It's like, no, that's the plateau 
what we're looking at last year and this year, that is the base level, unfortunately. And I, I hope I'm wrong. He's still quite young. Um, I believe, yeah, he's 24 yeah. years old. Yeah, There's a 24. lot of time for improvement, but it's like, how much longer will he be in his prime as well? Right. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. I wish I had a crystal ball. I don't. Well, Vladdy hit 48 in 2021. He's hit 50 since. And I'm going to throw a number at you here because my, my contention is this is not a 2023 Vlad issue. This is what we've seen from him. He's been up since 2019. In 2021, he played all those games at TD and Salem. Neither one is a major league ballpark. I've done right. the math on this as recently as yesterday. If you take the non-major league ballparks out, Jen looks like she's got some math ready for us as well. If you take the non-major league ballparks out, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in his career is hitting 271, and it's a home run every 22.44 at-bats. So last year was his career high for at-bats, 638. So if, if you do that again, then he's an average. Every season, he averages a 271 average and 28 home run. And it's 28 point something, so I'll even be generous and round it up to 29. So I do not think that it's been the, just this season that we've seen Vlad not be anywhere close to his expectations. I'm scared out of my mind. This guy was going to threaten... George Bell and 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 uh, uh, Roy Halladay for my favorite Blue Jay of all time. And I am scared out of my mind that what we've seen from him the last little while, last couple seasons, is anything below, I've said on the walk-off podcast more than once, anything below 300 for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. He would have to catch fire to get up to. Completely unacceptable right now. I mean, I am so upset with Vlad. I don't oh, know about let's... a 300 average from him, but for me, it's more so power numbers, right? Like, yes, you do want, I, I would think like you want to see him hit 280, 285, 290, something around there, which is close to 300. But it's like, if he's not pumping 35 home runs a year, and you brought up a very salient point where it's like, well, yeah, you bring him to a T-ball diamond, of course, he's going to hit 50. But <laughs> in a major league stadium, you you need that power production because that's what you employ him for. Like, Two years ago, like he had that one just outlier of a season and it's like, okay, so what's it going to be 300, 400 or 500 million? Like how much are we extending him yeah. for? And now you're going year to year. And like, do you consider trading him? I know that's a little bit extreme, but it's like, he's not your cornerstone the way he's been playing for the last two seasons to your point. Fences are moved in. Sorry, Craig, go ahead. I was just going to say fences are moved in this season at Roger Center. He's got five home runs. He's got five it fences is, are moved in. He's got five home runs. Yep. I do wish to really quickly talk the the trade talk that has been kind of lingering about Vlad and Manoa. And I know that even John Morosi came out and said that the Blue Jays are going to get lots of people calling on Alec Manoa. Of course, why wouldn't you? The kid is, especially with being sent down this year, he's under contract, you know, at like hit one of those escalators and sent him back down. So like he's a free, uh, not a free agent until 2029. Right, which is a pretty big Ooh. runway to go on that. And I mean, even Vladdy, I know, I know that there's only two years left on him, but uh it would be selling low on these guys. Do you think that obviously if it makes sense baseball wise, Joel, we'll go to you here. Maybe this is something to consider, but just your initial reaction to the idea of let's say this offseason retooling the team and moving on from a Vladimir Guerrero Jr or an Alec Manoa, I know they're two very uh, separate animals here, but your opinions, just your gut feeling when you just hear the idea of it. Got so much to unpack. So much to unpack. Um, I've, <laughs> yeah, 
my my statement is like when it comes to all of the changes that have happened over the last two years, I've always been under the understanding that there was a core two years ago that put up runs like you've never seen. And you bolster that with some some left-handed bats that can handle a Matt Olson who hits home runs against left-handed hit pitchers as much as he hits right, right? You can't just bring in the concept of a left-handed bat because it's left and that's your balance point on your lineup. I never understood that at all. It, I, I wanted lefty bats, but I wanted lefty bats that shifted the needle and kept the offense where it would be while applying the balance at the same time. We those Freddie Freeman fences. rumors, those Freddie Freeman rumors sure sound good now, eh? <laughs> sure. You know, it's just like, you know, uh, Atlanta took two guys out of Oakland at the same time we took a guy out of Oakland and those two guys are just like, whoo, and they're there for a long time. But um well, you brought in the stadium, the, the fences, as Craig said, right? You brought in the fences, right? You're going up to them and you're saying, hey, everything that you did when it came to hitting 45, 50 home runs, shoot the ball up to the opposite field. Take the opposite field approach, right? We'll bring it in. It's just like that team that was dominant by jumping on first pitch fastballs, hitting first pitches at like a 380 clip, seeing a pitch that they can handle and jerking it. There's only one guy on the team who does that right now. It's Danny Jansen. I don't understand the complete mental shift in blowing up the lineup, reconverting the lineup when all you needed to do was put a pitching staff and a bullpen together to make those 800 runs stand up, right? The complete shift towards defense at the beginning of the year, it was it was an overblow towards defense the last two years. It was too much, too much defense. Defense will stop a double, you know, like it'll turn a base hit and out becomes a hit, right? A base hit, like you get one base. A three-run homer is a three-run ball, right? That So when you look at a team like Atlanta, Atlanta's playing like a boxer. Atlanta's playing like Mike Tyson in the 1990s. They're not going out to beat you on a decision. They're going to put six up in the second inning, and you're going to be fucked for the entire game. Sorry, pardon my language. But they're going to break you at some point with that lineup. They're going to put up such a crooked number. That's what the team – the team came down from like a nine-run, ten-run deficit against Oakland 2020, right? They had the ability to put ten on a board in an inning. In an out, that's what this team could do. So now they've shifted to the point where, you know, that's not the case at all. Once you get past the top four guys in the lineup, not so much now that Bo and Kiermaier are back. Like, there's a lot more depth all of a sudden with those returning members. But to bring this all back to Vladdy, you've got Springer, you've got Chapman, you've got Varsho, you've got Belt. They have had 900 men on base for them all year. I think they have a combined 100 RBIs. They are knocking in runs at a 10% rate. When there are runners on base for those four guys, they don't hit the damn ball. And we got rid of a lot of guys who hit the ball consistently in those situations, and we suffer for it. So it's the power numbers. It really is the power numbers. If you go over the last five years, the Blue Jays were in the top 10 and that literally it was 2020. That I is why I'm saying top 10. If you just go 2021 and 2022, they were top five in home runs in the last five years. And this year they're sitting at 16 out of 30 MLB teams. They're right in the middle and their home runs aren't coming with men on base. They've got one of the most, solo home run heavy team out there. And this is where it's really frustrating because Joel, you just brought it up runners in scoring position. It doesn't even make sense. Like it literally, I've been told my whole life runners in scoring position is based on luck. 
Like there's but no like, such thing. Oh, you take the a long enough sample size, but we're at 120 games. It's the like, same like, problem. You should like when mathematically that's not a number that gets thrown thrown around the box score a lot. Like what percentage of guys do you drive in when they're on base? A good number is about 22%. You get guys on base 22% of the time, you knock them in. An exceptional number is 30. 10% is abysmal. And I just named four guys who are starting every night who are abysmal in those situations. Absolutely abysmal. So when I look at Vladdy, I look at a guy who looks around. He's like, who's going to knock in the runs besides me? So he's he's pressing. Like, all of this is in his head. Shoot the ball to the opposite field. Do you know what I can do at pull side? Yeah. Like, I don't – all of these things are thrown on a kid, which I just don't understand. And I feel he's suffering because he's pushing in some places. He's trying to cover for a lack of offense in others. And and what else can he do when he sits there and for a lot of the season, the four-hole, five-hole hitter was going 0 for 4 with two guys on and jacking up that left on base to absurd numbers I've never seen before. And management has done some there. weird management's done some weird things to kill momentum at times too. And oh. I know that uh, uh you know, jokester. Blue Jays jokester on Twitter, Spencer had a tweet that just made me burst out laugh because it just sums up the way uh, the analytics and John Schneider has worked all year round. And basically I'm paraphrasing here, but it was, oh my goodness, so great to see Davis Schneider hit another home run. This team so needs power off the bench. Best if we sit him for the next three series. And it, like, that's really seems to be the case, right? It's like, whenever there is momentum, they do something to the lineup to kill the momentum. And I know the khakis probably know best. I, I know that when you're working with analytics, if you don't play the long game, you're not going to get the, you can't pick and choose when you do the analytics, right? I'm aware that that's how the sample size works. But Analyt- analytics are bullshit. <laughs> They I really guess, are. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. but I I want to kind of speak to Joel's point um, yes. about situational hitting, where he's talking about Vladdy, where like yeah, there's a you know a world of pressure on him, um, and he you know maybe he's trying to do too much. I was working a uh, comedy club in Niagara Falls this weekend, so I didn't get to watch the games, but I was driving uh, to the club. I think it was yesterday. I've been smoking a lot of weed this weekend, so <laughs> the days get mixed up a little bit. Um, but when Varsho bunted for a single, and that just sounded brilliant to me, it caught the team off guard. The Reds did not expect it. And that's the kind of stuff we need to see where it's like, you know, if Vlad's feeling the pressure and there are runners on second and third with one out, he needs to think about going the other way into right field. That's just my thinking, just to Joel's point where it's like, yeah, you feel all this pressure. You're not always going to hit a bomb. I mean, the Jays need to start hitting home runs and hitting with runners in scoring position. But if you're trying to hit one out every time and you get under one, well, then you just popped out to the infield and you, you wasted in that bat. And there's just been way too much of that this season. Yeah. Um, I can I can I go on to that as well? What I'm like, what what bothers me is that I think he sits there and he says, I have to swing at pitches that I probably can't handle because I don't trust the guy behind me to do. I would rather swing at a pitch that I can't handle because I don't know if I can trust what's behind me. Right. So it's like that situation where like before I think he was in a situation where he could keyhole and he could be very specific about looking at one pitch and then take the walk because there's a really, really good chance. The guy behind him is going to drive, you know, get a hold of one and consistently to the point where they and trust that guy. Team. Who was that guy behind him? It was usually yeah. Tay Oscar Hernandez, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Two times silver slugger. So there you go. Like defense. It's awesome what they've done. 
they they've not done enough to address the hitting, especially at the trade deadline. Uh, I'm sorry, Paul, Paul DeYoung was a silver slugger in my opinion, but aside from him, they haven't done enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's really wild is that their signings in the off season have pretty much all worked out. Like Kevin Kiermeyer has been as good as we possibly could have hoped he would be. Brandon belt is going to hit 20 home runs with this team. And it's blowing my mind. Like he hit his 13th today at a two home run game. And he's known as a dude who just gets hot July, August, and September. And we're seeing it right now. I mean, the guy had four home runs May 21st, like Brandon belt. Where would this team be without him? Which, I can't believe I'm saying that. Well, even with that said, though, I, I I can't have him in the three spot. I mean, I I, I no. won't rant on John Schneider. He's uh, Brandon Belt and Dalton Varsho. They go back and forth for the worst hitter on the team with runners in scoring position. Can't have someone in the three hole in that scenario. What do you want out of the two spot? Somebody who uses all fields and somebody who's going to take a lot of pitches. So if Witt gets on in the one spot, we want Witt to have some pitches to steal. If it doesn't get on, we wanted someone in the two spot that's an on-base machine. This is all describing Brandon Belt. This is all yeah. describing Brandon Belt. So Belt in the two spot is is ideal for me going forward. And Scott, when you said about uh, Spencer's uh, tweet there about, hey, great job by David Schneider. You know what we should do is sit him for the next couple of series. My problem and the reason for this, for the bald head, is John Schneider read that tweet and said to himself, hey, this kid gets it. This kid gets it. Because <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's, exactly no that's exactly what these guys do. Yeah, it's exactly what these guys do. Drives me absolutely nuts. Lineup construction has been a major point of contention for me this season. In-game strategy has been a major point of contention for me this season. Nothing, nothing has ired me more than the approaches with men in scoring position. The 2023 Toronto Blue Jays, I, I wonder if you guys are going to nod your head. I wonder if you guys have noticed this as well. I have never seen a team take more fastballs down the middle, be completely ill-prepared to hit a fastball or even a mistake curve or something that's just sitting there i've never seen a team less prepared to deal with a pitcher's mistake so that tells me they're going up to the plate with with a finite plan in their head that has a period at the end i don't mind you having a plan i don't mind you having a plan at all but you cannot have that period it has to be a comma here's my plan comma but man if this guy hangs one i'm ready i'm ready hey i'm yeah. ready to do some damage to this thing right now and that's and just Vladdy, like seen. this has happened to vladdy like I, I don't know what's going on with that, man. And I'll I'll throw to you here, Trev, real quick, just to, to speak on Vladdy. 2024, can you see him coming back? I, I'm kind of writing off 2023, and, and we can go around the horn here and see what everyone thinks, if there's any hope for Vlad finding any sort of magic in the last month of the season. But let's look ahead to 2024. Trev, what would you like to see out of this organization and how they handle their supposed generational talent. Well, you got to let them loose, right? Both swings at first pitches. You know what I mean? You guys ever heard the, you hang it, we bang it. <laughs> I the, the 2023 so Toronto Blue Jays haven't heard it. The 2023 <laughs> Blue Jays haven't heard it. Absolutely. Craig, like it, it's unbelievable to me. And even the announcers are brainwashed with this somebody hangs a slider in the top part of the zone back in the day they got punished punished you hang up you hang an off-speed off pitch after i'm seeing 100 all the time you you're gonna identify that because it's got that loop at, coming in 
and it's up and elevated in the zone. It's the perfect ball to hit out of the ballpark. And I've watched them take it so many times. Matt Chapman's my other guy. I hate strikeouts. I, I've been a baseball player my whole life and a pretty good one. And like no no two strike approach. They'll get to two strikes and see like seem like they're just comfortable getting to two strikes. You're not comfortable. You guys aren't comfortable getting to two strikes. You're striking out way too much. And really, like, you know, with those power numbers, then start looking look at where, where both success comes from. He, he, he'll ambush a guy. They showed that he ambushed uh, – who was it? He's a big arm. But they said he hit two sliders off him for home runs. Hunter Green. Hunter yeah, Green. yeah, 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 today. Like – you know, I mean, that's that's having an approach for one thing, and it was said earlier. And the other thing is to hit the ball hard every time, right? Like that's that's where I think they need to improve. And I don't know, John John Schneider's a little bit too friendly with the team or what the deal is comparatively, because I would be tearing their ass apart for letting those cock shots go right down the middle you're you're gonna watch that you're gonna watch that this guy's gonna throw 100 miles an hour at you like 100 miles an hour you just have to meet it with the bat right like that's and trevor they're not, they're not aggressive enough trevor there's no consequences like like you know i hate to be back back in our day but you know there was a kangaroo court for things like this in our day if you had this bad of an approach at the plate this day and age there's no consequences for any of this I've seen Chapman yell more at Snyder than I've seen Snyder yell. At oh, jeez! <laughs> Absolutely. Jeez. Um, um, what I want to say on that point was that you've got Chapman hitting four, five, six pretty much all year with what fifty ribbies? Fifty ribbies. Danny Jansen has the same amount. Does he literally have fifty? Does he have forty-nine? He might even have forty-nine. Does he literally? That's have what I'm saying. He might not have fifty yet. They I, both I, have forty nine going into that. today. Going into today, yeah. they both have forty-nine. But I was just That's, looking at Danny Jansen's stat line. I mean, his average is dog shit. He's hitting like 215, yeah. but he's played essentially half of a full season and he's at 15 home runs and 49 RBIs. I mean, yeah. And look how many games left. Can and stay healthy. And how if he can, can stay he, healthy, you're golden. And he's doing that in the seven hole and the yeah. eight hole. And he has 50 ribbies, 49 RBIs. And he's in sitting down season. there. Yeah. Yep. What are you talking? He's the only guy who's handling pitches when guys are on base. He's the and only this, guy who's been clutch all season. This, well, this is. This is going to go into our top, our next topic perfectly here, okay? So I'm going to just jump right in to catching and how you all see the the time behind the plate being split up the rest of the season because Alejandro Kirk has just been playing awful the last two weeks. Listen, Ooh, like literally <laughs> like 200. He's slugging 200 in his last 15 games and it's worse if you move that microscope up a little bit because in the last seven games he's hitting a buck 20 with a, a slug percentage of 120 like it is he's not producing at all at the plate and this is one of the the biggest the biggest hits to this Blue Jays offense all season long has been the disappearance of Alejandro Kirk's bat. So with Danny coming back and Pat, you were just touching on it. I know it's over. You need to kind of go over a two year span to get a year's worth of Danny's numbers, but they're insane. <laughs> like he's, yeah. he's hitting over 30 home runs. His OPS is flirting with 900. Like it's, 
he is putting up more base hits and or sorry, more hits, you know, extra base hits is what I'm trying to say here. Then yeah. so many other guys on this team. And oh, yet sorry. whenever he get he just can't stay on the field. He's getting hit constantly. But like now that he's healthy. So let's just cross our fingers, knock on all the wood. Let's say Danny Jansen is officially healthy. Jen, when you look at this catching position and what it's provided uh, offensively, how would you like to see it managed over the next five weeks of the season? I mean, unfortunately, there's limitations because Danny Jansen can't crouch behind the plate every single game, right? That's, there isn't, of all of the positions on the field, that is the one with the greatest limitation for how many games you can actually be back there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's going to be difficult to manage, obviously, getting when he's not catching, you'd like to probably see him in the DH spot depending on I guess on who's pitching that day um this is this is why I wanted Kirk traded last season right I said on this show that his value would never be higher never be higher I did not think that his production last year was in any way sustainable you know and and here the team is and they're they're stuck with with him and uh, you know now his value is is almost nothing and they've traded away Moreno and I, I really don't know from here how they kind of you know fix that but really they're going to just have to run Danny Jansen out there as much as they possibly can DH him when he needs a day mm-hmm. off his feet and and go from there and hope for the best out of Kirk hope he runs into one during the games that he's playing really I don't see I don't see what else they can they can possibly do at this point. No, they collapsed that catching position so bad by making that Moreno trade. And I was hopeful for Varsho because Varsho put up 27 home runs last year. And he's a left-handed bat. We needed that. He's also, he can run, right? He plays yeah. really good defense. Those are all great things. But he hits 212, right? Like, you know, I mean, the other problem with Kirk is that he's slow, right? So he's a liability on the base pass. That So if he's an anchor in front of another player with speed, you're not scoring those runs. That goes back to our conversation about left on base, right? Like things like that, little intangibles. And to be honest, I've seen him hit mostly singles this year. You know what I mean? Like He, he hasn't he had power does- at all. Oh, he doesn't put it to the, yeah. a gap and he has to put it to a gap to get a double, right? Like he has to. <laughs> yeah, he's and, not lagging anything out. <laughs> no, no, he has 13 extra base hits in half a season of yeah. plate appearances, which I mean, like looking at last year's numbers, um, yeah, he had 33 extra base hits. And I, I'm with Jen. I said the exact same thing about a year ago about Kirk because it was like, oh, he's an all-star. Is the our catcher of the future. What do we do? Jen and I echoed the exact same sentiment. Trade him. He is at his highest value. He will never be more valuable. Unfortunately, yeah. that goes for many of the players in this lineup <laughs> this year where they many of them plateaued the, last year. I will say, though, you're talking about Varsho. I have high hopes for him still. I, th- I think he will improve. Yeah. I agree. But yeah. to that point, Kevin Kiermeyer has been 
a god in comparison to what I expected offensively. Yeah. Like this guy, I think he's hitting 270 or thereabouts yeah. and elite defense. Like what a bright spot he's been. And mm-hmm. is he the most handsome man in baseball? I would say yes. He's up there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's really it's really funny this about this team. And I it's uh, we had uh, Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic on on Friday. And this was one thing that she brought up that just like really resonated with me. She was just talking about what a weird year it was for for the team, because team wise, they're disgusting. There, There's nothing to like about this team for the most part. But then she did bring up the individual stories that are taking place within this team is very cool, right? The Kevin Kiermeyer, the Brandon Belt, the Tim Mazza, the Jay Jackson, like all of these like real bright spots, these, these rags to riches stories you don't get to see very often. And it's so weird that it hasn't brought more of a, a team. Push. Well, that's, I, but that's what I was asking about breaking up the barrio, right? So yeah. That was a team together. But they see, were together. To Watch me, their celebrations, even. Their, their celebrations aren't even coordinated. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they're, they're practicing their, their. They're just like, everybody's <laughs> looking around. They're doing this shoot up thing, whatever the hell that is. Like, it's pathetic, to be honest. They had an opportunity to forge their own identity here. And I don't know why they haven't. I don't know who the instrument is in all of that for them not having decided what they're going to do as a team, mm-hmm. um, right? Like, because they really did miss that opportunity to to kind of, you know, come together as this new group and, you know, what is our identity going to be? How are we going to display that on the field and, and with each other? It's like Brandon Belt's their happen? identity. Now, <laughs> to to be to be fair, like if if we want to go back to the Vlad thing, like honestly, manufacture your own fun. That's how I look at it. You're supposed to be a fun guy, so manufacture your own fun. Um, I would like to think that taking away his friends isn't why he's having a down season because the dude is playing for his next contract, right? So like right there, he has millions of reasons, mm-hmm. quite literally. <laughs> to perform at his absolute best, right? Like, you know, Craig, to your point, I know I'm going backwards here on Vlad, but I didn't get to jump in. You know, you look at those numbers in 2021 and how elevated they are for Vlad in those, you know, minor league ballparks. But if you take a look at Bo's numbers, they're relatively consistent throughout his entire career. In other words, you know, yes, his F4 was slightly elevated in 2021, you know, suggesting maybe he had some benefit from those from those ballparks. But his uh, weighted runs created plus is 11 points higher this season than it has been at any point in his career. Right. So, like, my, my point being is that, you know, theoretically, if Vlad benefited from those ballparks, everybody should have benefited from those ballparks. And yet Bo has been consistent. Mm-hmm. And well, I tell think... us how the league average is down and that there's actually more than just 11 points. <laughs> oh yeah, right. that's true. So um, I... go ahead, Jen. Sorry, Jen, go no, ahead. I was just going to say, like, I think, I think honestly, especially if they don't make the playoffs this season, which is a, a real possibility as we sit here today, I really think they do need to take a look at how they're going to retool this lineup and, and not make Vlad the centerpiece. 
Mm. Well, I think that's a very good point, Jen. And just to that, like you're talking about, you know, Vlad, create your own fun, all that good stuff. It just got me thinking like you, I don't remember what exactly it was you said, but it kind of sparked something in my head where it's like, who, who's the leader on this team? Who's leading this team? I don't have an answer. I mean, I it looks like Matt Chapman, if he's willing to yell at the manager it's... on TV mm-hmm. in front of cameras, that suggests it's... a certain boldness. I, I'm sure that's not the first conversation that had been had between the two of them. Um, just my guess. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Kiermaier's pretty vocal, just given how long he's been around the league. You know, you would think that Vlad would be to some extent because he has played with John Schneider as his manager for years now. They go way back, you know. So you're right. I don't know exactly who the leader is. I would like to think there's multiple leaders. Um, I, I think the leader just walked back in the clubhouse. You saw Bo saying, oh. hey. What have I seen from afar? You guys are yep. playing scare. I think the leader might have just walked back yeah. in the clubhouse. There you go. Sorry, sorry, Joel. Oh, oh, oh that's that, no, no, no. That's that's exactly where I was going to go. Um, I've been the Bo over Vladdy fan since day one. Yep. Since that stretch that he came out where he was competing with Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio for extra base hits off. Is that the good? Start. Is that good, Joel? <laughs> off the, is that good company? Is it good? Is it yeah, good? Is com- good? Yeah, good company, oh, right? <laughs> he comes out. Now, the thing is that they come up together. They come up together. Both parents are pro ball players, exceptional ball players, exceptional hitters. And the concept that these two are the same person is kind of put on them. Bo is the up at the crack of the dawn. I want to be the best possible baseball player until I can't play baseball anymore. And whatever I have to do for work ethic, he does it all the time. Whatever. I want to be on the field. I want to hit. I want to be better at defense. We've seen him get better at defense. The improvement at shortstop. Let's talk about, like, we talk endlessly about the improvement of defense at first base. I don't care. I don't. If you well, get better. Well, Vlad's at- actually taken a step back this season. Yes, he's on taken mm-hmm. a step back. That's why I never care. With Don Manningly here. How did that happen, by the way? Yeah, sure. Exactly, right? Like, a gold glove at first base. I'm like, average. Bo plays average shortstop, and this is a top five player in the league, top 10 player consistently in the league. But the way he hits everything, he hits everything, right? That's that's Derek Jeter takes a lot of shit for the defense he played. When Derek, Derek Jeter hit 315 in the regular season, 315 in the postseason. And he played 155 games for 18 seasons. You can build, as you're saying, Jen, what do you want to have as a focal point? about a 315 hitter for 18 years who's going to play 155 games a season? That's what Bo is. And I've always been like, that's the guy. Where Bo goes, I go. And he's the captain. And, and you just see that one is a professional ball player. Bo is a professional ball player. And, and Vladdy's a ball player, plays with his heart. On that topic, Joel, on that topic, Joel, I know that I've been thinking a lot about uh, what Bo has become to this team. And he turns 26 next season. I really am at the point now where I look at this Atkins Shapiro regime and all I can think is if, if, if Bo isn't locked up long term, by the time something has to happen... I, I'm not convinced that Atkins gets... I, I think he's on the hot seat a little bit, but I still think he survives almost no matter what here. But if if by by 2025, if Bo Bichette is in a long-term Blue Jay, I don't have the words. You know? Like, it seems like an absolute must-do. Uh, Craig, 
when you when you think of Bo and you think of generational talents, is this a guy that you would you would put the money behind? Is this is this a guy you personally would bet on? Big time. Let me just if I if I can, because I didn't get um, I just wanted to mention some Alejandro yes. Kirk. We were talking about Kirk. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to mention about Vlad and the Barrio thing. I don't think that's here or there at all. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. grew up in in major league uh, clubhouses. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is used to walking in. Hey, where's Uncle Pedro? And then Vlad Sr. saying, oh, Uncle Pedro was traded yesterday. Meet your new Uncle Tommy. Like the, the business of baseball is not going to mm -hmm. be lost on Vlad. So those things are not going to be lost on Vlad or, or upsetting to Vlad. When you talk about Alejandro Kirk, since last season, since the day he, again, your boy's done the math here. Maybe Jenna shows she's done it too. Maybe I don't know, but <laughs> your boy's done the math here. Since the day Alejandro Kirk was named an all-star last season, he's hitting 240 with nine home runs. This is, this is over to, to, to the, the, to you guys point you were making earlier. This is over a season sample size. Now nine home runs more than a season sample size, the 2022 Toronto blue Jays. There was not a position on this team that got more production than the catcher position. 2023 Toronto Blue Jays, it's dead last. Like, what a plummet. And the offense, the lack of offense for this Toronto team, I think, George Springer, having by far the worst season of his career. Matt Chapman, <laughs> fire Matt Chapman to the sun. I know that's very unpopular. I can't stand Matt Chapman. Anyway, uh, he's been terrible at the plate. Uh, Springer, who, who else are we missing here? All uh, Kirk, so many players have taken steps backwards this season. Now, as far as Bo goes, Absolutely yes, and hey, Kami Joel is 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 taking me over. I, I I would have thought there was nothing that could happen this season where where Ross Atkins' job was in trouble. If they don't make the playoffs this season. The good yeah. news will be this entire coaching staff will be gone. I have no idea where this coaching staff exists to begin with. They'll all be gone. That'll be the bright side. But Joel, man. Atkins may end up on this hot seat and I, I'm right there with Scott as well, that they need to get something done with Bo. He's at an elite position. He's improved greatly. What did he make? Uh, uh, 23 and 24 errors the last couple seasons, right? Is he even a double digits this season? Like it, it is more? not even a double digits, not even he's a double digits. There you go. He's almost at one baseball rep, like one B war positive defensively this season, Bo Bichette. And he, he's missed what? 15 something games like that up until the other day. To your point around Matt Chapman, though, like, yes, he he has not been delivering at the plate, but that's not what I expected. I mean, he leads the team in B-War at 4.2. His value, like, if he hit 220, I mean, he had that hot start to the season. So then... Ooh, April's insane. Yeah. So people are like, oh, my God, he's like the second coming of, of God. <laughs> that's not what I expected when the Jays signed him. I was like, I want elite defense, and he has provided that for the most part. So is is he hitting well, especially recently? No. Is but he, it's not recently. It's 205 since April. It's 205 since is, April. That's is, unacceptable. Is his OPS? I'm not necessarily defending the man. I'm just saying, where do I expect his value to come from? I expect his value to come predominantly from defense. Is he still hitting like 16% better by OPS plus than the league average? Yes. Did I expect more from him? No, I actually expected less. I expected him to hit about 225. You would Maybe have less off? from him if he hadn't had that hot April. Exactly correct. That's all on the strength yeah. of April. Oh, absolutely. But that's how baseball goes. We all know yeah. that. I mean, like you just, that was your whole year. I mean, I don't care if you hit 50 home runs and they all happen in a two-week span. That's unfortunate. You don't, that's not ideal. That's how the game goes. But his value, he's at a 4.2 B war this year. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. Do you want more from him at the plate? 100%. You want more from every player on this team not named Bobachet. 
Yeah. But he, he really was brought here to shore up the defense. That really yes. is the but yeah. now but it's not Jen. Has he? Has he, Jen? This is the worst defensive season he's no, had. No, I'm saying that's he why he was brought here. Right? He wasn't yes. brought here to be an offensive. He's you know, two, very true. Two and a half but, times, two and a half times better defensively this year than he was last year by B War. So oh he's God, no! Oh quite, God, no! No, no, no! You know for well that the eye test doesn't support that. You know the eye test doesn't support that. One point five D War this year, 0.6 last year. That's two and a half times better. But you um, know the eye the eye test doesn't support that. He leads the team sure. in errors. Sure, he's not perfect, but I mean, speak. Oh, he was about to drop a bomb on us too, and yeah. it froze. <laughs> I mean, he's he's quite good though, and I just feel like a lot of people are ragging on him uh, because they saw April and they're like, "Oh, he's going to hit forty home runs and hit 300. I just, I feel the problem there is that the expectation was him to slot up in the lineup this year. But they've pretty much put expectations on him as mm. to be if if Matt mm. Chapman was hitting sixth or seventh, I not nobody would complain about Matt Chapman. If Matt Chapman, but Matt Chapman is yeah. four or five consistently this year, and that yep. really the 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 failure and inability to knock runs in as was put upon him, and that's that's like to play onto Trevor's co uh, comment about analytics being crap. There's elements that have been forgotten about about old school game. Like RBIs are considered this statistic. It means absolutely nothing. <laughs> that's not the truth at all. Like I've, I've no. always been shocked at the idea. That's a specific style of hitter who hits 260, 270, but he handles everything and he can do damage when you need him to do damage. Like it's it's the it's the idea. Like a Joe Carter is a 750 OPS guy, but he's an RBI run. Right. And yeah. it's it's the idea that you just look at the OPS and we can define them by this. It's no, it's what compromises that OPS. How much of it is batting average? How much of it is is hits, mm -hmm. you know, and like you because you can't just say, oh, if I put 850 there, he's going to knock in 110 runs. That's not that what that 850 is. And no, because you need the guy in front of him to be on base like they have been this year. So but it's, that, it's focusing where... too much on those departments. Right. And thinking that if I if I break all the all the concepts of baseball down to one number and that number is high and i put a bunch of those high numbers behind each other back and forth it's going to make a great baseball Wait. team right <laughs> i don't and mind that i don't mind that part of it joel i don't mind using analytics to fill out a lineup card once the game starts where's your feel for what's happening that's exactly. my problem that's it's yeah. analytics being the be all and end remember a couple of years ago in the world series blake snell his jaw dropped when tampa when the manager came to take him out in the fifth you remember that with all those yeah, i'm still there and he left and he left and, and the, that was a perennial world series team that he could have been the ace on and he said this is how you're running things he left mm -hmm. see you later yeah well joel well, brings up a very well, good well look at where the rays are and the padres are though <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's again delivering right like this put put all the guys names in a dice shaker and throw them out there and then change your lineup bullshit that we're watching all the time <laughs> george springer george springer is terrible this year he's so in his head i watched him change bats four times in a three game series and I'm paying attention to little things like that. Cause I'm like, I'm a baseball player, right? Superstitious. And I, I know he is scuffling if he's reaching for a different bat in the rack every time, because he's, he's searching for something and you should move him down to eight hole. Right. Yeah. Get, get, you know, 
you gotta uh, you gotta reward and also punish what is happening with the runners left on base uh matt chapman man i couldn't agree more joel like striking out in the in the four or five spot all the time like that four hole i can i can put up with it if you if you're hitting 50 home runs the thing is the thing is is there's about four guys in this lineup that i was like I, I'm just like, man, they would slot in great right now in the seventh or eighth hole. But that's the thing is we can't they have, have everyone <laughs> hitting in the seventh I, and that's eighth. That's where hole. it is right that's now. Right? Yeah. Well, like, so look, the, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, look at Kiermaier. Kiermaier is a man who's satisfied with his position. He was up to 300 for like two weeks there. Yeah. And he was just doing simple things, right? Having fun. And he has... He's a guy who is a leader by ha- by having that fun. So to Jen's point earlier, there's Vlad's partner in fun, right? Like, you know, if that's if that's the problem. But that's, you know, there's something to be said. The reason why I mentioned the barrio is there's something to be said about they like to speak Spanish to each other, right? Like things like that. Like there is a certain being around a lot of ball teams and the chemistry of ball teams. Like, so my, my old men's baseball team just won their back-to-back national championships. And that is a loose dugout. That is a one that's celebrating each other, giving each other the energy to, to keep going and stuff. And I don't see that out of this, out of this like dugout when, you know, it's just kind of all over the place. Now, the Barrio downfall was you would see the clusters, right? So you'd see all the Latin guys hanging out together, and then you'd see the other t- players hanging out at the other end. Like, if that needed to be broken up by the estimation of management and, you know, your, your coaching, then I'll accept it. But I wanted to see better results than we're seeing from this clusterfuck of a team because they're just – no, everybody's kind of hang dog, and when they, when they're down, they're down. When I they're up, kind of. There's a lot going on between the ears right now on this team that I don't think the numbers are catching up on. And Jen, I I just am curious what your thoughts on just the mental side of this and how obvious it is that there's a few mental blocks here. It's it's very obvious, and I can't remember who it was that was on the radio on the Fan 590. It was a former player, but who it was, I no longer remember. They were not a very good speaker, <laughs> to be completely honest, but they were asked by the radio host, you know, like, when it comes to a hitting coach, like, how big of a role do they really have in a player's performance? And the answer that he gave was, three percent that at this stage these players know what they are doing for the most part they might need a tweak here or there um mechanically you know maybe to compensate for fatigue or injury or this or that but by and large they know who they are as hitters they know what their swing should look like uh and so on and so forth and he said that the 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 coaches are more there for the mental aspect of the game than they are for the actual like technical aspect of the game. And so then that goes back to that question is then why, why are several of these guys 
so far in their heads. Guys who have had, George Springer has had a very good career. He has won the World Series. He's been there and done that, right? Vlad, up until this point, has had success. He's been around baseball. He knows the highs and the lows. This isn't a slump, right? This is a disappointing season, to say the least, right? And so, you know, I don't think that it is actually the coaches, the coaches faults because I think that these guys are far enough along in their development that they should be able to figure some shit out for themselves. Um, but you do really have to kind of wonder how does somebody get in their head and stay there for an entire season? It's a really good question. And I think if they knew this problem would be solved. I think this is why it's so frustrating. And that's just it. And I don't know if anybody read Mike Petriello's deep dive into what's wrong with Vlad. Great read, by the way. For everyone listening, the grounds crew, Mike Petriello, his his whole article is incredible. Go ahead, Jen. It's, Sorry. It's 11 theories as to why Vlad is having the season that he's having. And Mike is obviously has every analytical tool at his disposable working for MLB.com. And so, you know, he does a pretty deep dive into all of these different numbers. And his conclusion is, nobody knows. There's no reason for it. (laughs) Well, he doesn't have anybody consistent hitting behind him. So that's where your power numbers go. They just go down the drain, right? Because guys know they can pitch flat outside. He's been screwed a few times on that outside pitch for sure. Like in just games that I've watched, like he gets rung up on something that's like, I can't touch that with a paddle. Right now, like, it's it's a bit of a double edged sword, you know, though, Trev. And it's a bit of a double edged sword. Because if if you if you look back, there were moments throughout this season where Vlad was hitting second, and that's probably where he should be slotted in the lineup with Bo hitting third behind him. But the thing was, is when he was hitting second, he was a black hole of offense, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I I mean, as frustrating as I get with John Schneider, and I really do get frustrated with this with this coaching staff. It's tough to blame them on things like that, where a player is underperforming to a point where it really kind of, it, it it forces his hand. How can you leave Vlad in the two hole? Because in May, I was literally screaming, take him out of the two hole (laughs) for the love of all that is good. Like, I can't, I, we, we can't give Vlad a full pass here because Trevor, that you're, you're exactly right. Some of these umpire calls on strike three, but Trevor, Strike one was a fastball right down the middle that he took. Yeah, and strike absolutely. two was a fastball right down the middle that he took, by the way. So it was Vlad setting up that scenario. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I wanted to play to that because For what sure. happened, I believe, at the end of last year was that pitchers took a very different direction on their approach to Bo and Vladdy. It's very similar approach. Everything was like low and away, sliders away, right-handed pitching. It became very different. It was it was locate everything low and away, everything low and away to both of them. And Bo had a terrible start to the season because he's looking to get something on the inner half and drive it. He can go the opposite way better than absolutely anyone. But at the same time, that's all that they were getting. Bo suddenly got to the point where he's like, if that's all I'm getting, I'm going to still hit 300, right? And he... He matched the league's approach to how they were approaching him. He followed suit. And that's the sign of an incredible hitter. Vladdy has yet to take that shift 100%. on the approach that the pitchers are having on him. And he's stagnating on that idea that the guy that he was two years ago will just magically come back. Pitchers know exactly yeah. what he will hit. They will not and throw I- him those pitches. 
So now Honestly. he has to hit what they are throwing him, and he has let, yet to learn how to be that consistent stud. I was, I was having a discussion with a baseball friend today, and both of us thought he's standing a little far from the plate too. Like, just as a hitter, my whole life I was a power hitter too, and uh, I just feel like he's he's just not comfortable. He's not ready early in counts. That's to both your points. And if they're going to pitch you away, then t- make them pitch you inside. If you make your, if you change your stance and your approach in the box and move in a little bit more, tempt them to come inside to you and then you'll get some inside pitches too. Right. So like, you know, I, he's just, you can see the smoke coming out his ears every time he goes to the plate right now. He's not like that relaxed, you know, sort of mm-hmm. fun want, swagger want dude. He was rips, yeah. right. Like I'm just going to take a rip. Like, do you think his dad ever thought I'm not going to swing at a pitch? Do you know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> his dad never thought that I watched his dad hit balls that bounced. You know what I mean? Like he just got up there and wanted to hit plain and simple. And that's what I think Bo's doing comparatively. Bo is like, no way am I not going to hit. Right. Like no way. And that's what, you know, like Vlad strikes out, he strikes out on questionable pitches sometimes, but like, he's not like a Matt Chapman where I'm like, oh, good, two guys on. And like Matt Chapman just watched the first pitch fastball right down the, right down the shoot, you know, very handle Like you could handle it. You got to be up there ready to hit. And then he swung and missed at a high fastball and the, and the inning, you know, like, and the threat, do all those sort of things, right? Vlad is just... I've got some numbers here, okay? So I'm going to throw this scenario out to the five of you. Uh, 2022, the Seattle Mariners took a huge leap of faith on Julio Rodriguez, signing him to a the biggest deal ever signed to a kid with so little playing time behind his name. It looked... Great on paper in 2022. And then this year happened and everyone was like, "Uh, maybe they may have overplayed their hand a little bit. Well, listen, in the last four days, Julio Rodriguez in four freaking days has literally turned his season around. So in the last four games, the New York Yankees have 17 hits. Julio Rodriguez (laughs) also has 17 hits. His average, his, his batting average, Four games ago, 256, now 278. His on-base percentage, 319, now 337. Slug, 432, now 463. OPS, 751, now 801. It is insane what four uh, inhuman games of baseball can do for you. Now, I know Bichette didn't quite do that, but... He also saved his season last year with just a really, really productive September. Mm-hmm. Craig, is there any hope in you that something like this could happen for Vladdy? Does Vladdy have that in him? 
the reason I'm saying no is because my mind is wrapped around the fact that, as I said, I've gone back to 2019 and this is a 270 hitter. So for me, this is not a 2023 Vlad issue. This has not been a 20. This is who we've seen him at the big league level. As I say, this kid was going to threaten George Bell and Roy Halladay is my favorite Blue Jay ever. The best thing about Vlad when he came up, take your mind's eye back to, man, I used to watch YouTube, used to watch his AAA games. I used to go down to Buffalo to watch for crying out loud. He would never play the pitcher's little reindeer games. He forced the pitcher in the strike zone. And Vlad's swing in the strike zone is as controlled violence, like just, just an absolute thing of beauty. But this, he's on the big league level, he's been willing to play the pitcher's little reindeer games. He's been willing to expand constantly. And it's so obvious and apparent. That's why I was stunned when Jen said that former major leaguer said 3%. I just can't see how that could be. the. I don't understand why major league teams are playing, are paying batting coaches millions and millions and millions and millions and millions every single year for a 3% difference. So that one stunned. I know that wasn't you, Jen. I know that was a player saying it, but that one stunned me because I do think a lot of this is on John Schneider. I do think a lot of this is on the, the batting coaches. Who have we seen develop? But sometimes three percent, three percent is that a lot of it, right? You know, like do do you get what well, I'm saying here? I'm okay, agreeing okay. with you. I'm agreeing okay. with you. But I what it, they can do. He said three percent as far as the technical side of things. Yeah, that the rest of it is mental. Because they know they're. That's swing. a good point. Uh, that's a good point. Okay, no, that's no, that's valid. That's a and good they point. all that's have an point. Uncle yeah. Wilton, right? Sorry, I'm not trying to talk over everybody. I just I'm getting all excited here. <laughs> Uncle Wilton. You know, like they do yeah. all have their own personal hitting coaches as good well. Point. Like these are yeah. millionaires that make money off their swing. Of course, they're listening to every single piece of advice they can get, and maybe that's. Maybe the waters are muddy. I don't know what's wrong. Anyways, Craig, sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, no, just, just just for me, the reason I've lost faith in Vlad is because in my opinion, this is not a, I'm disappointed in 2023. In my opinion, I'm disappointed with Vlad, period. Mm -hmm. Pat, yeah, do you absolutely. see a possibility where someone could go off on this team like Julio did? Is there... Would it could it just be Bichette again? <laughs> I think it's Bichette. I mean, like there's there's a lot of negative talk right now just in this group about Vlad. And I don't disagree with any of it. I mean, I I agree wholeheartedly with with Craig. I mean, I've been so disappointed with Vlad. I'm not trying to rag on the guy, but I mean, salient points have been made here where you look at 2021 and it's like, oh man, this guy's a goddamn hall of famer. Like what's it going to be? Yeah. 400, 400 or 600 million. Like what, what are we going to do to keep, keep this guy? And it's like, well, no, every single game that I watch, unfortunately, I don't get to watch nearly as much as I would like. Cause I'm just stupid busy these days. 2021, it becomes clear every single day, more and more that that is the outlier. Craig is hundred percent. Right. Like you look at the guy's got, he's supposed to be our big power hitter. That's what he's here for. He's not here for speed. He's not here for defense. That's regressed a great deal. He is on pace for like 23 or 24 home runs. Like this isn't, you know, decades and decades ago where that's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. they move the fences in. I do. I think Vlad could turn it up and end the season hot. Sure. That's about as likely as me being the starting pitcher for the Jays on Tuesday. I just, I'm <laughs> sorry. So I, there's a chance. I love the guy. Sure. Yeah, I've been I've been working out the arm a little bit. I'm fresh. <laughs> I got my trophy case behind me in case any Jays execs are watching. Um, but in all seriousness, like I just think on this team, it's Bo. I think I really love what Varsho did the other day. 
bunting for a single with runners on that kind of crafty shit that will win you games. Um, I think Varsho is due to improve. I don't think he's going to end the season hitting 250. Um, Kiermaier has been consistent. I love it. But as for guys really turning it on, I mean, Merrifield has, and he continues to. What a bright spot that idiot is. Anti-vaxxer moron. <laughs> but uh, boy, can he ever hit the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see Wit, Belt, Bow at the top of the lineup in that order. Chapman and Springer drop them down to seven and eight. I think Kiermaier is good at nine just because he's kind of like a spark going into the top of your lineup. And he's got that speed for guys who are getting base hits like Witt and Bo and Belt gets on base at a fairly good clip. But no, I don't think Vlad is going to do much more than he's been doing most of this season. Could we have more faith down the stretch? And just hang up on me, Scott, if this is absurd. Could we have more <laughs> faith down the stretch in Kevin freaking Biggio than what we've seen lately from Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Like, is that what's happened with the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays? There's no one. There's no wonder that I got no hair regrowth happening this entire. Like, there's no. I'll do it for you. Yeah. No, Jen, 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 don't. No, Jen, no. You still got Jen. the beard though. You still got, got the long. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Right. Start I can pull it from that, the that south. True. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. The the crazy thing that was pointed out was that Vladdy will most likely end the season with 23, 24 home runs. How many people did we have? How many players did we figure would hit 25 plus home runs on the team at the start of the year? Six? Yeah. Five or six guys? Five, 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 six guys hit 25 bombs this year. We might not get any. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So That's I, 2007 I, when only Vernon Wells had 20, and that was the last day of the entire season. And those were some pretty fucking dark days. We got a max out payroll. Yep. We don't have anybody maxed out Paul DeYoung, and I, I I love the Paul DeYoung jokes, keep them coming. He walked in the door with 13 home runs. That was a top dog for yeah. this Toronto Blue Jay team, by the way. And then they just DFA. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. It, it really does bring into question some of the decision making because he, I mean, that was a desperation trade. Let's be honest, right? That was only because Bo was injured. If Bo hadn't been injured, uh, Paul DeYoung is not a Toronto Blue Jay. And I it, it I, I don't know that another bat was available, right? Like, I really don't know, given who was traded. I have absolutely no idea. But the fact that they felt the need to go get Paul DeYoung and then just really, like I said, really calls into question some of the decision-making uh, of this front office. Um, and I do think if they don't make the playoffs, I, I, I and I've said it before, I think Atkins is... I wish to step in real quick here. I I step in real quick here with a little bit of positivity. I really do think they are going to make the playoffs. I almost feel like there's no way they don't. And the reason I feel this is that this is where my take becomes very negative. Um, I just think what would be the worst thing for this team is that Atkins and the coaching staff gets a complete pass. And so what, I think this team has proven is that they are good enough to just get hot at the right time and slip into the playoffs. They may very well lose in the wild card. It will save everyone's job. And then we're just right back at square one, April 1st, all going like, are we going insane? 
Like we're doing the same thing. Are we expecting different results? Cause I know that's what insanity is. So that is where I'm at with this team. Like I'm so frustrated with them. I honestly believe they're just going to hurt me in the most possible ways. And that would be making the playoffs and losing in the wild. I think it's a literal coin flip as to whether or not they make the playoffs at this point, because it has, it, it's not simply whether or not the Jays can actually go out there and win games, but now you're having to, you know, rest your fortunes on what Seattle does, right? And Boston. Look and behind. Boston. Like it's not with no, no, no. control look behind. anymore. <laughs> right? Like Crack. really? Yeah. I'm with Jen. I mean, I don't, I do not think the Blue Jays will make the playoffs. I, I don't mean to sound like a negative Nancy, but that's just how I've been over the past handful of days. I hope they do. I mean, mm-hmm. shit. I, when I moved, lived in Toronto, I specifically moved to the area I did. I was right across the street from the Sky Dome. I love the Jays that much. I always have. And to a degree, I always will. However, with that being said, I have a very strong stance that I do not think they will make the playoffs. I do think that if they make the playoffs, they will be very similar to how Kansas City in 2015 and Cleveland in 2016 was when they played the Jays. Because they pitched their fucking asses off and crushed us. And the Jays have that type of pitching and that type of defense. I hope I'm wrong. I hope so they let's make talk that. If they do, let's, I think I think they're golden. Let's dive into this for a second. Because there is a mantra around sports in general that defense wins championships. And I mean, we always talk about pitching and defense. And and that it is the strong point of this organization. The, the Blue Jays, I know a couple of you brought it up when we were talking uh, where we're at. And just the fact that the front office kind of overcorrected a little bit. Went defense strong. It affected the offense. But if they can squeak into the playoffs, and this is where... I wonder, okay, so I know I'm all over the place here. Let's go to game three and game four of the World Series last year, okay? So game three, some of you might forget, but that was the seven-nothing trouncing the Phillies had where they just hit bomb after bomb after bomb and beat the Astros, just outslugged them to no end. Game four, that was the combined no-hitter that, uh, Christian Javier and and the the Astros staff through and they won like two nothing or something like that. So like pitching matters, defense matters, but do the Blue Jays have a seven nothing home run trouncing in them? They just beat Cincinnati nine two nine three. I mean, I I don't know. Joel, do you think this team could do some damage in the playoffs? It's so it's so wild. Like I, you know me, I love the old team. But I have to give up on that to understand what we are now to be faithful and, and have enthusiasm going into what we have now. What, what are we? We're a completely different ball club. We're a t- pitching team. We're a team that has doesn't technically have a five, a number five pitcher. We have a bunch of like twos and threes where every day we can literally compete when it comes to the guy who's out on the mound. And Kikuchi's pitching uh, borderline like a number one for the since the All-Star break. Beyond that, for the last three months, so it's a situation where Kansas City is a great, the 2015 Kansas City team of you're going to, you can, the Pittsburgh Pirates versus the New York Yankees in the 60 series where the Yankees scored, I think, 30 more runs in the series, but they lost to the Pirates who won the one run games, get blown out the next game, win a run run game, get blown out the next game. Like the ability to do that is totally within this team. 
And it's just a complete identity shift to the way that they were winning two years ago. And it's sad because we want to sit there and cheer and, and, and see all like defense is really, really exciting, but I'm sorry to say it's nowhere near as exciting as putting three runs on the board with one swing of the bat mm-hmm. and just fucking going insane. That's just way. And that's what, so it's, it's a situation where this team is built playoff wise when it comes to defense when it comes to pitching if those bats can if something can inspire them then this is a team that can win in the postseason it's really weird you're sitting here like we want the division we have all these expectations on this team this year they should be here with the payroll with the people that they brought in they should be right up there at the top we shouldn't be worrying about the damn wild card but if they're in there and they get past the first round it's and weird. Joel, you, you know what's so ironic is we're so upset that the Blue Jays are now life and death for the playoffs. But A, if they do make the playoffs, they will have to be playing good baseball. So that's the Scott's point that we could see a run. And B, how ironic is it? They would be the third wildcard team playing Minnesota. That's actually exactly. ideal. That's such actually ideal. Point. Yeah. Such an incredible point. Such an incredible point. So right? you could win that series and there's your momentum. To Joel's yeah. point, you could win that series because you did find a clutch hit in there somewhere. The pitching was good enough to shut down Minnesota's offense. I'd rather the six of us plus Adam and let's get another two in there. The nine of us would be better than Minnesota's offense. I'm not worried about that at all. So I, ironically, this team might end up being in a really shrewd position come playoff time. I would put the Blue Jays pitching staff up against any other team's pitching staff 10 times out of 10, I think the Jays could win that battle. And by I think the it's way, a better pitching staff than 2015. Yeah. And by the way, if they go mm-hmm. to, if they do make the wild card, Kikuchi starting game number two for me. Um, yep. 100%. Just yeah. 100%. Um, to that point, Jen, by the way, you say Kikuchi just got into the top 10 in ERA in the American League. You know who else is there? Jose Barrios, Barrios. and Kevin Gosman. Yeah. Like Gosman. the Jays have. Three of the top ten pitchers in the American League, and four well, plus of, like, Alec Manoa. Oh, four of the top sixteen. I would that... be my guess with Bassett as well. Like yeah. they're just it's... and Ryu makes it five the way he's been pitching since come back. Absolutely. So it's like it's insane. It's yep. uh, yeah. It's 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 a it's it's incredible what they've been able to do with this pitching staff. Minus Manoa, we could talk about him later if we want to. Um, but. You know, the the flip side is, you know, as improved as the defense is, we did see some circus music out there yesterday and today Mm, from this Jays defense. And when the pressure is on, I do have a bit of concern that 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 some of that circusy, you know, defense missing the cutoff man and so on and so forth. I am concerned that that's what we might see when they're under tremendous pressure. You know, um, and again, the other side to, yes, the Jays probably have the superior pitching staff, but, you know, in a playoff situation, they're also facing the other team's best pitching. Mm -hmm. How does this lineup that is not hitting with runners in scoring position fare against other teams' best pitching? Very Mm -hmm. good point. We got shut out. This is a Blue Jay fan panel right now. None of you (laughs) will be able to remember who the Cincinnati pitcher was on Friday. I've already forgot. He was from the independent league to Jen's point yeah. that that's some, some total random Cincinnati yeah. had a promotion on he Friday. Told, hey, draw your name out Brett of a hat, Kennedy come down to pitch five shit. innings. It was like a promotion they had or something. And that guy <laughs> shut out the Toronto Blue Jays to Jen's point. Now here comes Baltimore with their pin. Now here comes, here comes, here comes Justin Verlander twice in a five game series against yeah. this offense. So here's the AL wild card race right now, as it sits, 
the Houston Astros sit in number two, half a game up on Seattle, who is half a game up on Toronto, just on the outside looking in. And then Boston is two and a half back of Toronto, three back of Seattle for the final wild card spot. The win percentage of the, the teams they play break down like this. So Houston is playing on average teams that have a 0.473 winning percentage. Uh, Seattle is a 0.479 and then Toronto 0.486 and Boston has a tough schedule. They're facing a lot of teams above 500. They're sitting at uh, 0.540 is the winning percentage of the teams that they're facing. So Toronto does have the third toughest schedule of these teams competing for the final two wild card spots. It's going to be it's, well, Scott, it's let be me a say, tight one. Can I say I here? I, do, I want to temper that a little bit because the that's because Tampa and Baltimore are in there a lot. After this Baltimore series, and this is why I still think the Blue Jays make the playoffs. After this Baltimore series, the Blue Jays play twelve straight games against the four: Kansas City, Oakland, yeah. Colorado. Mm-hmm. Who am I missing? It's the four worst teams in baseball. Washington. Well, thank Washington. you, and Washington. Yeah. Thank you, and Washington. Twelve games over a two-week span that that gets us into the middle of September. That that's there's all if you just show up on time for those games, that's a lot of wins there for that's the Blue the Jays. season, Craig. I've yes. looked at that chunk of the schedule all year. That is the absolute season for yes. us. Okay. Does you- anyone have anything to contribute here, or should we get to topics? Does anyone have anything to talk about on the playoffs? Go ahead, jump in if you want. No? All right. Okay, well, let's get to topics here. We do this every single week where our panelists bring a topic to discuss, and it can be Blue Jays orientated, baseball orientated, or life orientated. Let's start with you, Mr. Freeman, enemy of the show. What do you got for us for uh, for your topic? I forgot mine because we got into it too much here. See, and this is why he's an enemy of the show. He does stuff <laughs> to sabotage at every turn. <laughs> All right, Trev, we'll move on and you can go ahead and Come think about it. And we'll yeah, get yeah. back to you. Sounds good. Uh, Pat, what do you got for us? Um, I mean, the nothing too specific. It's just, I mean, kind of to Jen's point. So I was... I was working in the Yuck Yucks Comedy Club in Niagara Falls this past weekend. Uh, really fun club. Check it out if you live anywhere close. Best staff in the country, in my opinion. But also Calgary, where you live, Scott. That that staff is also awesome there. Anyway, all of that is to say I was talking with the bartender uh, during the Jays game uh, the other night on Friday. And it's just, I mean, our pitching has been so good. As soon as I heard... I just, I think it can be, the bullpen can be managed even better. Uh, That may not be a popular opinion. I just thought on Friday, game tied at zero, you bring in Jordan Hicks, who has been good. As soon as I heard Jordan was coming in, I was like, awesome. And it was Hicks and it just, and I'm maybe overreacting, which is fine. I'm known to do that from time to time. Scott, you and I, uh, in Windsor, (laughs) you saw me overreact. I've seen you overreact. Yeah. To the max. Yes. Um, It just. It made me think of 2016, the wild card game, when Baltimore, Buck Walter did not bring in Zach Britton. He brought in Ubaldo Jimenez. It's a different scenario, and I get it, but every game counts. You're tied at zeros. Bring in the pitcher who you think will give you the best, who you know will give you the best chance to win. Could Romano have given up a home run as well? Absolutely. Just to me, it just made more sense to bring in Romano, to shut them down. It's Cincinnati. You're not talking about the Bronx Bombers of the 60s. 
Like you just, you bring in your best pitcher, you shut it down. That was just how I felt. Very emotional weekend baseball wise for me, but I'm glad they took two of three. They could have swept. Jen, you want to start us off? Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. I think the idea of saving your closer for strictly a save situation we all know is no longer you know, the right way to manage a bullpen. And I think when you're in your highest leverage spot, you bring in your highest, highest leverage guy. And, you know, Jordan Hicks obviously throws absolute fire, but he's not that guy, not yet anyways. Right. Um, So, you know, you have to go with the no one quantity, which is Jordan Romano. Um, So I, I mean, I didn't watch the game because I wasn't going to watch on uh, Apple TV or whatever the, whatever platform (laughs) it was on. Um, So I didn't see the game whatsoever, but yeah, I, I, and I do think it's not the first time um, that I've questioned the way that the bullpen has been managed. I think we've all had questions about the way the bullpen has been managed at different times this season. And I think, I mean, it's hard to know. Like, I, I think if we were fans of any team, we would question how the bullpen is managed. Yeah. To be, to be fair. Right. So um, you know, you look at it at that one game in a vacuum, would I have made a bet- different decision? Probably. I don't have all the info that Schneider had available to him. So it's, it's a tough call to say, you know, should have, would have, could have, should have, you know? One thing I will say is that Jordan Romano has been, uh, um, awful. In less non-safe than, situations, I'm already reading your mind, Scott. Non, I'm already yes, reading okay. your mind. Yes, yes. Non non-safe situations have not been his forte this this season. Um, I was actually fine with Hicks coming in in that yeah. situation. I had, I had, I was loving that game. Like I know it was just a zero-zero game in the ninth for the most part. Normally it's boring, but it really wasn't. It was a, a heck of a pitching duel. I really enjoyed it up until that point. I was excited that Hicks was coming in and I, I found myself thinking, you know what? Like if we can just scratch out one run in the 10th, bring in Romano, he's used to having runners on base. Like even if he doesn't start with runners on base, he likes to put them on, you know, so he'd be good <laughs> with runner on second. Uh, it just didn't work out. One thing I will say that I did like is that after Hicks imploded like that, that Schneider stuck him right back out there in the second game when they got the opportunity there. And I liked watching Hicks change his game plan a little bit he where was so he good. was just yeah. like, Fastballs. you know what? I'm yeah. just going to throw the 102 yeah. mile an hour well, that's fastball it. with that's Ron. it. That's what Jen just said right there. That was the issue with Jordan (laughs) Hicks on Saturday. You have a fastball and a sinker. Either one is thrown at a higher speed than this franchise has ever seen, literally. (laughs) But you went with the slider. That was the problem with Jordan Hicks. I didn't mind. uh, I didn't mind bringing him in at all. Sweeper, Craig. That's, yeah, that's what they're calling the uh, sweep. Yeah, the sweeper. That's the new. Yeah. By the way, yeah. I mean that should be my topic. Like, what? How, how, how? People are calling this a sweeper now. Anyway, I'll digress here. Dave anyway. Steve, Dave Steve threw Thank the you. sweeper when it was just, just a pitch. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many you know, of the I, grounds crew watching right now is going to be like, "Wow, this has been the oldest episode we've seen in a while." Just like <laughs> the old man in me just keeps coming out. <laughs> Um, all right. Did gonna... anyone have anything, Joel? You want to touch on this, bud? It was just the angle of like, right now is a good time to find out what you have in Hicks, right? Like, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that these are games that you can throw away because every game is absolutely 
pivotal right now, but you need to know now where Hicks slots. So you want to put him in those leverage situations to understand whether where he's going to be. If he, this team's in the playoffs, is he where? When is he coming out? Right. We can get a good idea of how. And then that that change that he made. Like I remember watching a a, a compilation video last year of pitches thrown at 102 and the bat. Like there, I don't. I think it was two hits the entire year on pitches that hit that velocity. So it's just like when you're consistently able to, with two pitches, as Craig said, hit within that range, you're, you should be throwing those pitches 85, 90% of the time, right? You gotta, you know, you gotta show me that you can groove the gas before I break off the breaking ball. And because when you, when you're catching up to that pitch, you ain't hitting the slide. So show me that you can catch up to this. Then I'll throw my secondary stuff. There's no reason to throw secondary stuff when it's reading 103. Well, and guess what? Where did that secondary call come from? Third, third and dairy. Secondary? It's third and dairy. I know that doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean? What what is it, Jen? Tertiary. Tertiary. Thank you. That tertiary pitch. You know where that call came from? John Schneider's book of analytics on the bench, by the way, just to mention that again. (laughs) And that is like, his feel for stuff like that is what drives me most crazy about watching this team is watching old Bo Duke just sit there and scratch his beard for a minute and then make a call like that, where it's like, why would you throw anything else but your best pitch period, especially if you're closing a game or keeping a game close, like, Throw your best stuff, man. If you walk him or you get too much run and it hits him in the toe or something, I'd prefer that than to throw that third pitch that's just like surprise and the guy just beats you on 102, you tip your hat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) That's the thing. That's such that's such a good point, Joel. And everyone. It's just like it's it's one thing if he threw 96. Okay. If you throw 96, yes. I hope you have a mix of pitches that are going to throw off the hitter and keep guys on their toes. Mm. But 102 <laughs> is a whole different animal. Like it's just a it's not a thing that exists. It's not a no. thing that humans are supposed to do. And the fact that there cheat. is you have to cheat to hit that, it. Yeah, like you yeah. have to cheat. You 100% have to cheat. And so uh, Jordan Hicks hit 103.2. That's the fastest pitch in a Blue Jays uniform. This is an organization that's been around since 1977. Like, it's insane we have this guy on the mound, and mm-hmm. he's going to throw sliders? He's going to throw a sweeper? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Don't yeah. we all? We all hate Garrett Cole. We all hate the Yankees. We all hate Garrett Cole. How many times, to Joel's point, a couple times, we've seen him literally just on the mound. Ah, oh, crap. Literally, physically tip his hat to Vlad. Because yes. Cole made a brilliant pitch. He couldn't have walked it up there and handed it better. And Vlad dealt with it. Mm-hmm. So to Joel's point, if you're beat on that, what yeah. are you going to do? What are you going to do? I know the pitch you're talking about. Best pitch. To be beat Spider on your tertiary best yeah. pitch. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> that you can do something about. Yeah. Absolutely. Throw a goddamn fastball, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Major League. Yeah. All right. Um, you know. Did anyone one. else have uh, anything to contribute on Pat to- Pat's topic there? No? Okay. So let's go to Jen. You've always got a list to choose from, but we've probably stepped on a bunch of them already. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the oddity of what's going on with Alec Manoa? Or do we want to talk about 
types of rebuilds. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. That's weird. I know. I would say rebuilds. Like, what are what are your thoughts there? So, like, the Blue Jays went through a retooling, yes, a, a few seasons ago. And depending on what happens with Vlad and Bo, if they end up signing elsewhere, we're going to see this team go through another type of mm. retooling or rebuild of some sort. My question is, what would you prefer as a fan? Would you prefer sort of a retooling that kind of keeps the Blue Jays at or near the playoffs, okay? But they never really get anywhere with anything. Or would you prefer to see a complete overhaul like Baltimore, like Houston, like Cincinnati, where you know the team is going to lose 100 games for however many seasons, but you've got this stockpile in the farm and you've got these exciting players and you know at some point or hope at some point it's going to come to fruition and then you're going to have this big window again. What would, as a fan, what would you prefer? I would say complete overhaul. Uh, the only, the main reason I say that is because the alternative just kind of seems like half-assing it to me. Like if, if you really want to build something strong, like let's say my house is falling apart, right? Like they're termites. And I'm like, well, you know, I'll put some rebar and kind of reinforce it a little bit. It's still kind of shit, you know? But if I dig out the foundation and I start from scratch, I can build a real nice house where my piece of shit house is now. That's kind of how I view a sports team with rebuilding because you, firstly, like they have all the pitching in the world right now. Manoa's been dog shit. He probably won't play in the majors this year. They still have the best pitching in all of baseball. Like you go for it. Mm -hmm. now is the time i know that's not necessarily your point but my thinking is you have this year and maybe the next year or two afterwards where you're going to have elite pitching to one degree or another you go for it after that bo's going to be a free agent after 2025 unless they resign or extend him which they fucking better um but if they do they have that other way well, right. that's that's the thing. Yeah. So if you if you're going to do you're like, hey, here's a 10 year deal for Bo at 400 million, whatever it is, then I mean, a full rebuild. Like, what, what does that even look like? Like, do you yeah. find him to a long term deal and trade him or do you trade him before the rebuild? But yeah, given given the option between like, hey, let's just kind of tweak things year to year or shut it all down. I mean, the next two seasons after this will really dictate what makes the most sense. But if given the choice, I would say you get your prospects, like Jen mentioned, you do what Baltimore did, you do what Houston did, you build it up, and then you have a number of options. That's that's my opinion. And you get a new manager. <laughs> Please. Again, <laughs> yes. I now, if you're the Blue Jays, though, if you're the Blue Jays, you might like the idea of that perennial contender because uh, um, uh, ticket prices are about to be through the roof coming oh, next dude, season going forward. Are. So to have such a teardown and to be asking for those prices, that would be quite a big deal within this fan base. So from a Blue Jay perspective, but I love when, Je I mean, 
how'd you like to be a Cincinnati Reds fan right now? I mean, are things looking exciting there? Baltimore, the Baltimore Orioles, two seasons ago, the Blue Jays were 18 and three. They were just slapping them anywhere they wanted to. Baltimore is now caught and passed the Blue Jays and all other farm system guys aren't even here yet for crying out loud. It's driving me nuts. How much, mm-hmm. how, how good Baltimore is. I think it's downright oh, rude. Out. It's downright rude. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's downright rude of Baltimore to get involved in, in this AF, uh, AFC, uh, uh, AL East race for crying out loud. So for me, I like the idea. If you're the perennial contender, all, you, remember Atlanta in 2021, all they did was make the playoffs. They won the World Series. Philly last, when Philly made the playoffs last season, nobody said one word. There was such an afterthought. Who cares? They're not a contender. They went to the World Series. So I like the idea of, of, of trying to get into the playoffs. But on the other side of the coin, what you guys are saying, I mean, how wouldn't it be nice to be Cincinnati right now, Baltimore right now? There's a few teams right now that, man, their, their playoff windows are opening and it's exciting. Here's my problem with everything that you just said, Craig, and I I do see where you're coming from, but for every Cincinnati Reds, there's a Kansas City Royals. For every Baltimore Orioles, there's an Oakland Athletics, there's a Chicago White Sox, and to go through a major rebuild would be so disheartening. It would be soul-sucking, and to have the possibility of missing, like... The thing with a retool, and I'm just speaking from this Blue Jays team right here, right? So looking at the 2024 offseason, let's even go the 2025 offseason. Let's give it another year. You would need to evaluate where you're at there. But if you have Bo Bichette locked up, and like Pat said, that changes everything, obviously. But if you can lock Bo Bichette up, you've got a pretty stellar pillar of that's 26 years old to build around. And we see the Milwaukee Brewers do this all the time. Sometimes you can just bring in some other options and throw it, throw the sand back at the wall and hopefully it sticks this time. Listen, I just have been through rebuilds. You know, like I, I'm, I'm in Alberta. I watched the Oilers do this, right? Like they're, they're heart-wrenching to watch a rebuild not work out because you're just watching your favorite team be dog shit for years. I, I, I I don't know. I just, honestly, the fan fan in me, the fan in me is not being as logical as probably I should be, but I hate the idea of going through what Baltimore just went through. Like seven. I mean, you're right. They look, it's all paying off now. But I'll be 50 by that time. (laughs) I also don't think that you can do that with the Jays because we're Canada's team, right? Mm. And you risk Too much money at at stake, yeah. I think you just risk everything by doing a complete rebuild in Canada because you've, you've gotten this fan base now and, you know, like... If you lose that, do you ever get it back? You know, like it's just they're in a tough position, but I think it needs to start with their leadership too, right? Like, you know, between having a leader on the team and also behind the bench, right? Like, you know, Mattingly, why did we bring Mattingly in for a year? He's going to be gone next year anyway, mm-hmm. right? So I, I don't know if that was the training wheels for Schneider or what the deal was, right? Because he does have that major league managerial experience. So you bring in that coach and he backs his plays and stuff. But 
the plays I've watched Mattingly back, I, I'm oh. suspect of, right? Like, I'm just like, what the hell? Like, this is Donnie baseball too. But he's never really been a super successful manager no. per se, right? He, so, John Schneider and Don Mattingly, they're that Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. They're the yeah. same person as a manager. Yeah. They have the so same downfalls. They have the same downfalls. I think uh, I think yeah. it was I can't even remember where I heard it, but it was John Schneider. I think advocated for Mattingly to come aboard. Mm-hmm. So really? well, Mattingly reached out to the Blue Jays, which was which was very impressive. Which was Mattingly yeah. said when he when the Jays played the Florida in 20, 2020 and twenty twenty one, all all Mattingly could see across the diamond there was young studs, cool. and and yeah. for him to get a that chance to be a part of that, with, yeah. he was very excited. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I just. I mean, from a rebuild perspective, like I said, like I think their hands are tied on that anyway. So it's almost a moot point that you can't, you just can't dismantle Canada's team and expect the fans to be tolerant of it for more time than. And to be, to be honest, Baltimore actually bounced back sooner than, than they should have. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, years, years yeah. earlier. Absolutely. I mean, they one... could be the Royals. Like, look at where the Royals are at. Like, not to not to beat a dead horse, but yeah. The one counter argument I would provide is that winning solves everything. So if you lost fans during the rebuild, they come back when team when the team is winning. Yeah. And, is and if true. it is Canada's team, yeah. that is the team for them to cheer for. Are they gonna all of a sudden become Houston Astros fans? No, they're not. Right. So yeah. you know, I think it would actually be relatively easy to get those fans back on board if winning days were ahead right i'm with this is of course all hypothetical because the blue jays organization right now is 26th in baseball so this big exciting rebuild is not on our horizon anyway yeah Yeah. that's that's my rebuild is all atkin shapiro okay they have gone from a team that two years ago was built off of offense to a team that now has the best pitching and there's no resemblance of the team that existed two years ago right and it's this year-to-year concept of this is who we are instead of a 10-year plan and the idea that you build it like Shapiro built a stadium and stadium renovations that make the fans happy and they're designed to make us happy Baltimore made stadium designs to make that team win they looked at what their roster was. They said, we have a lot of lefty guys. Let's leave the left. Let's let them still shoot the ball for home runs. And then every right-handed team who comes in here is going to be flying out to a 380-foot wall. They designed their team to win. And they know that the sta- the fans will come in, not because the stadium is pretty, but because the team is winning. So it's like, if you, if your mindset is going from a team that puts up 800, 150, 160 run differential in the plus two years ago, Right. What do we have behind the bench? A, a first a, a manager who doesn't know Montoya is a first time manager. Why aren't you matching up a manager who has a ton of experience with a team that doesn't? Right. So that they can be groomed and properly groomed. Why are you making a complete shift in organization? The, the next year we're a different team. We're going to try to win this way. The year I will that, never understand the hiring of Montoya. And I no. really, I I liked him as a person. I was covering the team. Like I have nothing but good things to say about him as a person. But not for us. But I don't, situation. I don't understand why he was hired. Other and than the Schneider fact is, that I think Rocco Bell, was it Rocco Beldelli at the time? Became unavailable. But why they pivoted to Montoya, that I don't understand. No, why you don't like, 
Snicker over in, in Atlanta, you've got a young team. You've got a veteran manager. You've got old understanding baseball savvy being combined with a bunch of analytics, but that analytics makes doesn't come down and make the decisions during the game. And it's like, it's, it's this shift. You're, there's too much shifting. There's too much. And there's during a era of baseball where there is no shifting. Uh-huh. So it's like, it's, it makes no sense to me. If you're rebuilding the team, you're rebuilding it from an organizational standpoint on where your future goes, because they have invested in old players, meaning that the youth doesn't stick around. Now we might not keep Bo and Vladdy, Bo leaving, Bo leaving this team will make me, will fill me with such vitriol that I will never, (laughs) I will never forgive the organization for letting that happen. And why did that happen? Because they kept bringing in 34 year old guys with injury prone histories and spending money on guys whose knees may not be working come September. So just that's where my blow up and my real, like I want to keep us competitive, but with different people in charge of the decision-making. That is a great rant, Joel. I'm going to quickly interject here because I know Pat has to leave, but sir, a pleasure always. Really appreciate you coming on and joining us. It's been a fun hour 45. So all the best, my man, and uh, look forward to the next time you can join us. Awesome. I'm going to see you at uh, at Comedy Bar in September. I think it's on the 10th. Look forward to it. September 10th. Looking forward to it. Be talking with all of you. And the next day, of course, the 11th, we're all going to celebrate. Uh, everyone uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. All right, Pat. Take care, buddy. All right, Craig. What do you got for topics for us today, my man? Jeez, we've covered all of them. We've been so good because I, I wanted to talk about, because I, I did not think there was a scenario that could play out in 2023 where, where Atkins was in trouble. Now, I don't think there's any scenario where Shapiro was in trouble. I, I, I do have bad news there for Joel. Uh, the, he, yeah, the 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 <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays. Remember, remember these renovations. Uh, Mark Shapiro headed up that entire thing, and these yeah, renovations is three hundred million of Rogers' money. And by the way, it was Plan B. Plan A was a brand new stadium, and who would have headed up that project? Mark Shapiro, and who still will head up that project down down the road? Mark Shapiro. As long as Mark Shapiro wants to be employed and the president, An architect, here, not a- he's going to be. He's going to be. Now Atkins, on the other hand. Roster construction, I don't have a lot of, uh, I love what Jen was saying earlier, but at the trade deadline, we all wanted a bat, but bats weren't moving around at the mm-hmm. trade deadline. So I don't necessarily know that the Blue Jays missed out on somebody that was out there, but from a roster construction standpoint, I've liked what we saw from Atkins this season, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermaier. And by the way, how ironic is it that Kevin Kiermaier, who was a four letter word in this fan base yeah. is now loved by this fan base, by the way, as a side I've note. I've always loved him. And I okay. even thought okay. the thing with the card, okay. I thought okay. the thing with the card was fair game. <laughs> okay. Okay. For most of us, he was a four letter word for Jen. He was okay. Okay. But, but the, but, and, like and it. it's not the roster construction that I think could get Atkins land him in trouble. It's what you guys have been touching on. How on earth, this is the most important hire in, in, in Atkins's career. Cause can you imagine if the Bo and Vlad era and we we've touched on it a bit, can you imagine if the Bo and Vlad era ends in Toronto and there's no world series championship, it will be absolutely considered a failure. And now this season, so how could Atkins for the second time hire somebody, Charlie Montoya and now John Schneider with absolutely no managerial experience at all. And I screamed bloody murder on the walk-off. I said, listen, I will always have a problem with the hiring process of John Schneider. The Blue Jays didn't even wait until the World Series was over. So by rule, they couldn't even talk to anybody else. They had no idea. The, the next up-and-coming bench coach, the next up-and-coming hitting coach, the next up-and-coming third big, they had no idea who would look at this Toronto Blue Jay team and say, you know what, throw my name in the hat there, I'm interested. 
We've seen organizations bring in people for hiring processes just to sit down with some veteran guys like the Joe Tories and the Joe Meds, just to get some ideas outside of their own uh, echo chambers. They didn't even do that. I said the Blue Jays could win three World Series under John Schneider these next three years, and I will always have a problem with the way he was hired. Now, as we fast forward, we all have had problems with the way he's managed this season. So is it possible? I know Joel is saying, I don't know if it's possible, but I hope it's probable. But I am for the first time wondering, and Jen has already said, if the Blue Jays don't make the playoffs, that's it for Atkins. I am really wondering. So let's uh, maybe Jen expand on that. But for everybody else here, is it possible if the Blue Jays don't make the playoffs? Can we even expand it, ladies and gentlemen? What if the Blue Jays make the playoffs and again are just slapped right out of the playoffs by Minnesota, like they were by Seattle, like they were by Tampa Bay? Is it on the table? where Ross Atkins is in trouble because I'm stunned to say that I think it's on the table that he could be in trouble. I think it should be for sure. I think he should be too. Yeah. yeah. Now, now how come though for the roster construction or from the managerial hires? <laughs> Both. Really? Like at the end of the day, look at this roster right now. It should be able to do something, but you haven't got a manager who can put together that thing. Right. So I coached baseball for 30 years and uh, I have these first and second year managers with me co-managing one season. And the difference between when I coached and they coached was night and day, right? Being able to understand. And, and I, I remember that. Is that a learning thing, Trev? Is that just like, like any job? You're just like your first, ex- your, your first year on a job. You're just, yeah picking up experience you're a manager right so you have to like manage the people and the people that you have and i think he's got enough pieces in place to make that a winning ball club he really does but even if you look at the construction of the batting order and just the shit show it has been right you know we brought up that point a million times of like even order and everything like that our our best production is wherever Bo is and Kevin Kiermaier <laughs> and that's it you know Springer's having an off year how do you fucking get him out of his head right that's your job and Vladdy grab him by the ear and tell him I want you pouring the Gatorade bucket on somebody every night every night no excuses right like that's it <laughs> That's what I was saying earlier about like winning six and then losing six right behind it. Like what is going on with that team? If Is it the team or is it, I should have made a tweak here. I should have made a tweak there. He never, you know, when he went in last year, uh, I think it was just before he took over. <laughs> they were just baffled. Charlie got tossed out, right? Like, and all of a sudden, Schneider was taking over, and I I knew that was a sign of things to come. Do you guys remember? Remember it was in the that Seattle game? series? It yeah. was in the Seattle yeah. series. Yeah. Scott was yeah. there. Scott was yeah, there. I was there. Yeah. So like, it was just if you can't be their friend anymore, you can be their friend when they're younger and you're bringing them up. Now you have to be their boss, right? You have to actually mm. take the time to understand who that player is and what they respond to period like matt chapman i said is there a hotline that i can call 
Like, why is there not a place where I can call and just be like, hey, Matt Chapman, you're opened up more. And that's why you're striking out again. You're you're not doing the thing that you did in April, which was try and shoot every ball to right field. And it was keeping them in the field. Right. Yeah. And it was, it, he was super successful with it. Now, like I said, you know, Craig identified. Well, first of all, you never take a first pitch down the right down the hard Saturday night like you you just don't man these guys are throwing a hundred almost every night you face a guy throwing a hundred what do you think he wants to do he wants to throw his fastball and he wants to throw it for a strike I mean make no mistake these major league pitchers in the way they can move the ball and stuff you're going to get beat on some of those but every time every time it's just mm-hmm. an, a, a fastball upstairs and they got you like make the adjustment man you know and that's up to the manager to say that to him and not get yelled at back if he gets yelled at back pull his ass i should mention as well that uh, let's not forget that james click is in the house so there's a there's a ready-made replacement for ross atkins by the way james click who built those houston teams the only reason he's not in houston is because of that whole cheating scandal so Mm -hmm. by the way i should mention that the blue jays might think there's a real good in-house option here to replace atkins which is they've done before right yeah (laughs) well and and he was clearly brought in for a reason right like i'd be very curious who made that who brought him in how did that happen totally right i just i'm sorry i just want to put it on 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 shapiro though because like has the guy won a postseason game how many how many years has has he been a gm at baseball yeah 2016 2016 toronto blue jays He won. He won. He won games with the team. Cleveland teams when he was in charge there. In in Cleveland, no, they did no. They they opened the playoff windows when he got there. Like we like that's why this guy's got no postseason experience. This guy's got no ring, right? They walked away from the greatest general manager in the sport. Oh my god! No, they did not. They walked away from Alexopoulos. Oh my god! For me, he is absolutely like when you're rotating rookie of the years every single year, and then you're locking them up, and they play the way that that team plays. That team set the record for most home runs in a month in a down year for home runs. Like that is a that is a window. That window is not a window. That is an open sky for a decade in Atlanta, and that's what we lost. So to me, you know. Chop the head off the dragon. Stop chopping arms off. Chop the thing off that, <laughs> like, chop that part off because okay, so that guy's not a, a winner. Things, <laughs> a few things. A few things. Number one, Mark Shapiro has renoed two stadiums, <laughs> and yeah, I don't and hear people. B, I don't. Right? Pe- I don't. No one wants to talk know, about it. I don't know. It opens one more. What's one more? Oakland's won more games without ever renovating, right? That's what I'm saying is they've had, weirdly enough, more success going to the postseason with absolutely no money and doing it, being ahead of that guy. That guy was ahead of the – he was behind the times 20 years ago. And I don't think that he is making the right decision. You want a Theo Epstein to come in and be the brain that is ahead of the curve? That's, you know, that's where their Boston wins. Why did it happen in Houston? Ahead of the curve. Tampa, ahead of the curve. Here, they even admit that we're 10 to 15 years behind on informational gathering. They admit that, that they're, 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 far, they're that far behind when it comes to other organizations. So by, that's where I am. I've cut the head off the dragon is my, my, my opinion. 
But Joey, you're so, talking as the fan. That same dragon makes millions for Rogers. He's not going anywhere, brother. I am yeah. sorry to tell you. You know that, though. You know he's not going anywhere. He could wait so much now, more for one say, World Series, you know? <laughs> so, so here is why I think Atkins should be on the hot seat. And it's honestly not roster construction, which I am aware it might rub some folks in this uh, panel the wrong way. And it's definitely going to get comments. But... But And the reason I say this is I have a really tough time blaming Atkins on not being able to foresee the future on the complete lack of production from the catching position, the complete lack of production mm. from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., on the complete fall of Dalton Varsho from last year. And I mean, listen, Varsho's really picked it up lately. And and mm. like, I think we touched on this already. I, I do think he's got a ton of potential and is going to work out over the, the, the length of this contract. We, he, he is with this team for three more years and is an excellent outfielder. But what I have trouble with, with Atkins is this team hasn't had a cleanup hitter all year. How on a contending team is that even a possibility? And the fact that it was so obvious, this is the only thing that they didn't have come the trade deadline. And I understand that there wasn't a bat available without overpaying. But if you paint yourself into a corner and we're obviously in a window, this organization constantly talks about a, a, a forever open window. It's obvious that is not the case. And this was the time to go all in. And he didn't. And the way Alec Manoa was handled all year long is oh, a complete. That was my other topic. Complete yeah. and total failure up and down this coaching staff, this front office, the whole organization, and that is on their freaking plate as to why He's Alec Manoa sitting in Toronto right now. Yeah, I don't and understand. Uh, so I pulled up earlier the Keegan Matheson tweets about this just so that I could have the wording in mm -hmm. front of me. I don't understand how he isn't pitching. I, 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 right? He's not pitching right, other sit. than pos right? But he's next man up. <laughs> so I think that's honestly, Jen, I think that's bullshit. I think it's all lip service. I think yeah, that Alec Manoa is so overworked pitching wise from but, last season, his inning increase is just caught up and they're don't, just don't say nonsense. That doesn't make sense. Right. Because then you look stupid. You look like you are so unbelievably mismanaging all of it. I'm not saying if there's like a, a mental thing going on with Alec Manoa, I'm not saying we need to be privy to that. No. That's right. Privacy is privacy, right? But don't flat out lie and say things that are ridiculous. When you, so again, on the fan 590, it was Caleb Joseph. I think it was Thursday morning, Friday morning. And he was saying, you know, if Alec Manoa goes, you know, is in Buffalo and he needs to, you know, uh, 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 be be a role model to the other guys that are there. That it's okay to get sent down, and you know how is he going to da 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 da? Like clearly, everyone thought the guy was in Buffalo, right? Yeah. And he's not. Did they not think people were not going to figure that out at some point? Dude's not here, you know. Like <laughs> clearly, that was going to to make its way out there. And then to say he's next man up when he's not even pitching, you sound ridiculous. You sound like you don't know what the heck you're doing. And you sound like you're just messing around with this kid at this point. So this is our 25-year-old, oh, 25-year-old pitcher who had Cy Young 
votes last year. Finished in third votes. in the American League. This is yeah. our big stud pitcher. Let's let's go down the list of things that, in my opinion, Atkins has mishandled on that. I don't think that he was ready to be thrust into game one of the wild card. I think nope. that should have been Kevin Gosman, the dude who obviously you went out and, and paid as your ace to begin with. Let's mm-hmm. start with 2023, okay? Putting him out in game one in St. Louis to open the season. Big mistake, especially <laughs> after what you just watched. I, again, why wouldn't you just ease him in? There's no reason for you not play some third. Who even cares, right? Like I, after two weeks, it doesn't matter. It's just an ego thing. And obviously, Alec probably could have used a little bit of a, a straightening out when it comes to the ego. Then you get into how long they hung him out to dry before they started to try to correct things. They send him down. Not only do they send all him the down, way down. All the way down, which I was all for because it felt like they had a plan. And as things went on, it became very apparent they didn't have a plan because I think the only reason he was called back up is that they needed innings. They were running on a four-man rotation and they were literally gassed. I mean, all of them are still pushing career highs in innings. And that's Kikuchi, that's Barrios, and Barrios is a horse. Like, think about the fact that a horse is pushing his career innings. It's insane. So for Alec Manoa, if if he doesn't at least become a, a four ERA pitcher that we can slot into the three hole by 2024, like I, I am done with Atkins. I just, that is on I, him. I think the whole thing has been terribly mismanaged. I think some of it has to go on Manoa as, as well. I don't think yes. he's, okay, so let's, let's. Do say that, you know, he, he didn't exactly show up in spring training in, 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 you know, the best shape of his life or anything like that. So, the, you know, there, there's there's enough responsibility, I think, to spread around here on this one. But as far as how his season has been handled, I do think that that is on the front office. Right. And I, and mm-hmm. I don't understand the decisions that have been made there. Um, Can I just devil's advocate this? Yeah, oh, please. Because uh, I'm in a very familiar position here on the walk-off in that I'm in the vast minority. Okay. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Alec Manoa in game one, Scott, has to be Alec Manoa in game one. If you lose game one, you can't have that rookie Alec Manoa going game two. You want that veteran Kevin Gosman going game two to right the ship. So I don't agree on on, on coming down on Atkins there. And all the coming down on Atkins and, and the Blue Jays, how they handled Manoa, I've got nothing but a free pass on this entire thing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is completely unprecedented. We've never seen this before. So for the Blue Jays to have no idea how to handle this makes sense to me. And bringing him back against Detroit was absolutely... Absolutely the right move. Detroit is awful. They handpicked that game for him to come back. So I actually agreed with all of that. Jen, Jen uh, I'm going to sit back as Jen lambastes me. Send, Jen, hit it. Sending him to Flor- the Florida complex suggested that he had a lot of work to do. A lot of work. Yeah. Not just a couple of starts and then we're going to toss you in against a terrible MLB team and, and give you another start up in the big leagues. Florida complex suggested to me that they knew that there were multiple issues that had to be addressed. I thought and we wouldn't was, see him till September. And so he wasn't there long enough to address those issues. I understand that they needed him because of the, what was going on with the rotation and the bullpen at the time, but then they were sacrificing his long-term development for the immediate need. If he is in any way part of their plans long term for for a rotation and not just in the rotation, but like front end of the rotation, 
I think they've done him a great disservice by how they've handled him this season. Um, we obviously don't have all the facts, right? Mm-hmm. But just based on what has come out, to me, it has been a complete mismanagement. Well, um, I, I think to build on your point of him coming to camp out of shape, I think the pinch clock actually hurt him and, and Kirk both being bigger dudes. Interesting. Like, I never thought of what it would be on Kirk. You're probably time, right. Man, you know how hard it is to pitch? You know why pitchers used to just run and run and run and run and run? Is yeah. because it's hard to to pitch. Like, it's difficult. It, it's taxing. And I think he got – and he was – he was a goddamn human brain delay on the mound. He'd be <laughs> like, he, it'd take him forever to deliver a pitch. Now, to speak to your point deeper- here, to, to speak to your point here, Trev. Uh, so, Fangraphs actually like has it's not an actual like pitch for pitch, but it's a round. It was 22 seconds between pitches for Alec Manoa last year, mm. which I mean, which is a substantial speed up. Yeah. And honestly, like that was, but that, how do you tell a 24 year old guy at the time or whatever to who just got Cy Young votes, who yeah. just got Cy Young votes, was a stud, was an all-star, you know, like all those things. Like that's where you need a manager who can reel them mm. in and yeah, say yeah. like, Hey man. And what, what's wrong with them getting on Kirk and Manoa for getting in shape. They got on Vlad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yep, absolutely. And, and I, I think you're absolutely right. Like I, and I don't know how that looked, right? Like, I don't know how much contact yeah. they have with each player over the course of the off season. I don't know what that looks like, but um, you know, one of Sportsnet's pre-recorded interviews before Kikuchi's last start, um, you know, with Hazel Maine, they show it, you know, um, uh, he was asked about his turnaround this season. And he said through the interpreter that he, his high school coach, he learned from his high school coach that baseball is a winter sport, meaning that the work you do in the off season Brilliant. is what translates oh. into having a good season. And we saw that from Kikuchi. I mean, we know that what he did during this oh. off season, the muscle that he put on alone, the amount of effort that that would have taken, right? You know, and, and you, you, you're literally just swapping. Kikuchi had one of the, like the worst season of his career and went into that off season saying, I've got to do something completely yeah. different and radical. And he did mm-hmm. it. Whereas Manoa was like, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go you dinner. Hey, look, at what, look at the transformation Ryu has done with his. Oh my God, yeah. At, at 35 years old with a track record. 10 times as long as Alec Manoa. So I think that, uh, I think, I think there was a bit of mat- immaturity there with Manoa. To be, I'm going to say it. Yeah. To the and point where I wonder, I wonder if some of the way he was treated was a little bit of a punishment. And I really hope that's not the case I, that I, 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 but it sure felt like it at times, you know, like, absolutely well that's happening with brendan barrera brendan barrera came out of shape and the blue jays have been punishing him so you may not be super far off there scott i didn't like the way you said 35 year old you said that with a little bit of salt i would (laughs) would love to be 35 again so i didn't like that part but yeah um yeah what i I wanted to add to the um the manoa part was that to me for a a team that is maxed out um, salary wise 
for a team to be in that position where they're making decisions that Manoa needs to be on the organization. We need to bring him up. We need him. We need, he's like you said, the next guy up in this situation, you should be able to have the depth and the organizational youth and, and prospects build up that you're in this situation. You should be able to fill that hole. You should be able to say, listen, one of our arms is down. We've got to fill that. And the or idea use that Casey Lawrence, like, well, like whatever the situation is, I just need, you've shown me that this guy has all the potential to be, an absolute horse backbone on this team, right? And whether and and it's how it's been approached on all aspects. What he's allowed to do in social media, how he's allowed to go after other players who have like, don't get me wrong, I'm the biggest Garrett Cole hater in the world, but mm. there's no there's no place where you're you've got 180, 200 career strikeouts and you're yelling up at 1500. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. that makes no sense to me, right? Like that, understand where you are in the pecking order of this league and you have no right as a rookie, you would get slapped around if you did that in your rookie season to a veteran player like that. So Joel, do you, like, yep, yeah. Ahead. Well, sorry, Joel, I was just going to say, Joel, do you remember Albert Pujols who doesn't have a negative thing to say about anybody having this conversation with Marcus Stroman as a rookie saying, Hey, yeah. my God, you're doing a lot of barking for somebody who just walked in the door. Albert Pujols who doesn't have a negative yeah. thing to say about anybody took Stroman aside and said, boy, Oh boy, I'm not sure about these antics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the stuff with uh, Verdugo, you know, um, the, yeah. the stuff with his weight, the, the stuff and then coming in and then Velo's down, you know, Velo's down like three, four miles an hour in the fastball. The slider isn't the same pitch at all that it was last year. And you see a guy who needs a whole lot of professionalism thrown in his face. Right. Yeah. So what Good I point. was saying, what I was feeling is when they made that decision to put him all the way down to Florida complex, I thought that that's what it was. I thought we were on a journey. And also the other thing is that we as an organization have the history of seeing it successful in Halliday. So having seen what they did to Halliday and putting that time and effort in, I know we're in a grind of being a contender right now. And we need that guy to be up to, to, to fill a slot when we need it. But we've seen what taking a hall of famer, at that age and saying, no, you, you may have come out and thrown a, 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 no, a perfect hit bid in your first game, but you're not ready. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's going to take a lot of sculpting and for it to not be this, like when you make the decision to go all the way down, I just hope that there was a plan that said, you're here <laughs> for this amount of time and we're going to get you feeling like he doesn't, I don't even know what team he feels like he belongs on right now. He's jumping between the teams so much. So it's just like, I, I it just, it, it felt like it lacked a, a, an end game to the, to what our plan is. If we're going to do something so drastic as to shoot you all the way down, I felt like they had the, at least the patience to let him build himself all the way back up. That's what, that's what I thought was happening. And that's not what happened. And I, I just completely don't understand then. Yeah. Can I, I ask was... Trevor a question here real quick, Scott? Yeah. Yes, because I think because I think I think Trevor's going to know the answer to this because you mentioned a, a human rain delay earlier. Trevor, who was the human rain delay? I think you're going to know this. I don't. I don't. What? Oh, I thought you're going to nail this. Mike Hargrove. I thought that'd be up your alley from the Cleveland Indians. I thought you're going to nail that. I thought you're going to nail that. OK, <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm going to blame the brain tumors. <laughs> <laughs> OK, guys, let's wrap it up here. We are a little over time and just appreciate all of you here. Uh, Craig, give a quick uh, plug to Baseball Town here before you go. Absolutely. Baseball Town, we are three Sundays away, September 10th at the Comedy Bar. Uh, I think Johnny from, from Gate 14. Yes, correct, Scott? Gate he 14. Didn't mention, yeah. Johnny G Johnny will be from there. Gate 14. 
uh, maybe the other gate 14 people, who knows, you know, they bring the party with them. Uh, you're going to get to meet uh, baseball Jen in person. You're going to get to meet uh, 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 Caitlin McGrath in person. Uh, definitely going to be some other people there. So, I mean, as, as, as if that's already not enough, right? I just think it's going to be an epic Scott, Scott said this to me, he said, you know what, the, the city of Toronto and, and Scott's not even from here. And as soon as he said it, I was like, that's brilliant. That's exactly right. He said the city of Toronto has never seen a, a Blue Jay event like this. And I think he's totally right about that. It's going to be epic conversations. And if you're there in attendance, you're going to be part of those epic conversations. And I can tell you, Scott and I are massively committed to making sure everybody gets every cent of their money's worth for those yes. tickets. We have giveaways. I mean, you absolutely name yeah. it. I think it's going to be epic. I think it's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. And I hope we're going to see as many people as we can see to talk Blue Jay baseball on September 10th. And it'll be cool to put faces to all of the handles, online handles and stuff. So I will drop the tickets for that in the comment section here. So you can just nice and easy for you. Baseball Jen's going to be there. Our iron lady when it comes to the Mm -hmm. long toss. Uh, Jen, when people are looking to follow you on Twitter. Twitter or whatever it's called nowadays. Yeah. For, yeah, how- <laughs> <laughs> for however long it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me at baseball underscore Jen, and that's Jen with two N's. All right. Hey, Kami, follow Joel. Joel, uh, anything going on with that you can talk about with uh, some of your projects or... So the strikes are going on right now. Um, and so everything's kind of gone to non-union to production, which hasn't really stopped some people. So um, good thing that I had done all of my writing before the strike. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I've got, I've got something in San Diego that's being shot from the 28th to the 10th, uh, 20th of September to the 10th of October. That's a, that's a pilot for a, a, a nice, I can't say anything. I'm going to keep it yeah. all the technical aspects hidden. And then I've got another one, uh, which is You're, baseball. The big year I, of Joel continues, eh, bud? It's weird. It's it, The strike has been crazy. The strike has been really, really tough for, for production and stuff like that. Because Tommy John is with Happy Madison, and then the strike happened. And they had to, like, hit the brakes on it. So that was just, um, and, you know. Were you coming back from Tommy John and being just just something that makes me so happy when I see that? Uh, but yeah, the the fact that still things are kind of moving beyond the unions right now during uh, the the strike time, and um, I'm still I'm so happy that people want to like be clandestine in a production that I happen to write. So you know, and then uh, like I said, on October 10th we start another one, and that's baseball. That's all. That's a baseball series. That's a a comedy, but kind of like major league, but turned into a a, a baseball series. So I am just over the moon buddy, at that. One. I'm so excited. We're so happy for you here on the walk off. Like just so pumped for you, buddy. Cause we know how much work you've put in over the last three years. Like we've watched it firsthand and to watch it start to come to fruition and you, you getting stuff just the best dude. Love it's, it. it's been, it's been nice. It's been nice. And I, it's great to have been with you guys since the very beginning. And you guys have, been there from the beginning of the journey so thanks no, so much I no love we love we still consider it unacceptable that you won't be there on september 10th don't be looking for free passes <laughs> there commie but okay i don't know maybe all I, right maybe and I can honestly make it. 
<laughs> honestly, my my favorite enemy of the show. Really, there's only well, one. Why are we calling opinion. this gentleman an enemy say. of the show? What have yeah. I missed here? Why it's are we calling Trevor an enemy of the okay, show? Okay, so it it's an inside joke that has right from the Trev was one of the original guests on the show. Well, he was our first guest ever on the show. He wow. has been on the show like half a dozen times, and whenever he would get into the comment section, he would always wind up uh, ball busting and just the the. The term enemy of the show wound up sticking. Everybody everybody else was friend of the show. And I said, oh, I thought I was the only friend of the show. So I want to be the enemy of the show. <laughs> but I, I actually have something to promote. Please. Tra- traveling Yoggers are back again. What? <laughs> Going to Czech Republic in uh, October and November. Trim, and That's awesome, buddy. Hopefully self-producing a doc but uh we'll see because we like to my my uncle's affected by the uh the strike and everything as well too so you know we're gonna we're gonna film stuff at least but i don't know where it'll go and everything yeah yeah uh, that literally just found that out today and then hopefully by the next time i'm on here i'll have something else in the uh in the professional sport on the talk Look at you. You're yeah, down, buddy. More of a keep quiet about it kind of thing. But uh, it's funny how your worlds all come together like that, right? You know, so. Yeah. So, hey, are you still doing the Tuesday show? Still doing the mailbag. With, uh, with the internet radio? Oh, no, no. That's old. That's long gone. <laughs> yeah I, I figured it was but yeah like i hadn't talked to mike and those guys anyway but yeah i just figured i'd ask but it was good to see you buddy it was really good to see all of you trev so happy that uh you got some shit on the go buddy that's really cool the traveling yoggers are back folks keep an eye out for that they're gonna be uh, for, if you don't know the traveling yoggers you probably do if you're a hockey fan <laughs> but if not you gotta look it up it's pretty darn cool what they were doing <laughs> <laughs> all right we're at like two hours plus here so i'll <laughs> wrap it up there honestly thank you so much everybody we'll see you next sunday cheers cheers buddy